Hello. Hello. How's everybody doing? I'm good, man. How about you? I'm excellent, but also very tense. Tense? Yeah, man. Why are you so tense, chum? I think this brotherhood that we formed, we've been on this, <laughs> we've been here for years and years and years. This is one of the most tense episodes ever, every year, because it requires us to look back. And make decisions. And make decisions. You know, like that aren't set in stone, but I mean, like, and once you put we, the podcast out, it's pretty much. And whether we want gospel. to admit it or not, we've been working on it each for a while. Yeah. Well, you, you have to take inventory. Yeah. And you have to look inside yourself. But, but you also have to, there's a, there's a chance of some kind of possibility or some kind of uh, discovery. And so I feel like the cramming and the, the rewatching and everything that goes into deciding on my, my best of the year list is there's always like, I know it's coming. And so I'm, I'm thinking of all these movies that I want to see and that I've been meaning to see all year. And some of them just end up falling by the wayside. But yeah. there's this thought of like, well, what if the best one is still yet to be discovered? So, yeah. So it is very uh, stressful. It's a bit of a relief to finally decide, as I did like this afternoon, okay, I'll be watching no more movies. <laughs> yeah. What we have is what we have. I tried to squeeze one in this afternoon and at work, and it was like, this is not working. And it wouldn't be fair to this movie. Yeah. Like mm. just to get it in. Yeah. You know, so I'll go back and watch it later. Whatever. Yes. Well, maybe we'll talk about those at the end of this episode, those potential yeah. list busters. Sure. I, I have three in mind that I think seem like my kind of movie and that probably would have been on my list or at least would have had a shot, but uh, you never know. Maybe you guys will, will mention one of these before we get to that point. So. By the way, you're listening to Movie Schmovie. I know. And the other, the other relevant question is, who are we? I'm Ron. I'm John. I'm Steve. Yep, that was easy. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> we said the name and our names yes. yeah. in, in succession so easily, mm-hmm. and yet we still waited, what, like a minute or so to do it? Yeah. Two minutes, three minutes? I can't count, so. I think <clears throat> if you do it up front and you're too eager about it, mm-hmm. it seems a little desperate. Mm. So we're just more confident. I think that we have yeah. this swagger that allows us to wait until three, four minutes into the show <laughs> before we explain what's going on. <clears throat> do you have swagger if you say it about yourself? Yeah. I, you know, I said I think we have You're not swagger. sure. So I think So that, what you're waiting for is someone to be like, yes, John, I you think do. the uncertainty, but also the fact that I grouped you guys in takes it away <laughs> from pure narcissism. For sure. <laughs> is there such a thing as like collective narcissism? <laughs> right, 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 right. You know what? Someone is gonna invent that term and they're gonna they're gonna study podcasts in, in, as part of their uh, dissertation. <laughs> but this is our this is our big narcissistic moment where we, we overthink these year-end lists of the movies that, that we're going to call the best of the year or favorites of the year. And uh, I don't know, we always talk it up. And every year I think I'm going to be much more ready for it. This year I really thought I had gotten my head around it. This was a good year for movies. There's going to be a lot of movies that don't make my top ten. And yet today I still felt constantly like that little sticky I have that's got my, my list on it. It was, kind of, it was kind of whispering to me all day. It was right. calling to me saying right. there's, there's still a potential change. Um, did you guys, I see you guys are looking at your phones right now. Our lists being changed uh, as yeah. we speak. <laughs> as we speak. Yes. Wow. Multiple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a stressful thing, John. We mm-hmm. talk about this every year, but I mean, like I know personally, I, I like love doing this cause like I'm all about the list and I'm yeah. all about looking like you said, Ronald, back into like what experiences we had with movies, watching movies with each other, watching movies alone, whatever it might be. So it is like, it's very stressful. There's anxiety. Cause I mean, like. I'm just that, I'm like, I got to be sure of this, but there's no way to really be sure. Because no. I mean, we'll revisit some of these movies on our list this year, next year. And mm-hmm. like, I, I, looking back over past episodes, I was like looking at some of my lists and like, 
how they've changed. You know, like a couple years ago, I looked at a list that we did and like I saw movies again. And I'm like, this movie has moved up or this movie has moved out because it just didn't stick with you. It didn't stick with me the way it did the year I saw it. So it's ex- or often when we record the day or the week that you saw it, you were very <laughs> right. excited about a movie. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's like super fresh, but it's very fresh. Super, super fresh. <laughs> um, but I don't know. You know, it's just like the kind of thing where, like, in the moment, I'm like, this is really important. <laughs> I gotta know what these choices are, um, because you know, overall, like, what did, what did you guys think overall about 2018? Was it a good year for movies? Would you say? Would you say looking at your top five films or top three films? Would these be films that you would say are some of the best movies you've seen of the last decade? For some, I'm going of them. deep. I'm going decade. Maybe maybe the last five years. I don't know. Some of them. Where, where do they place? You think? Do you think there's some in the conversation? Yeah. yeah. Well, yes, definitely. Okay. I would say though, even in a broader sense though, just my top twenty films that I saw this year are all movies that could have been in the top ten. And I think I've said that before, but it's very true that eleven right. through twenty on my list. At one point, every one of those movies was in this top like ten that I'll be talking about tonight. Yeah. So, so, so in, inevitably it becomes a bit more of a curated thing. You think about if there's that many good movies or that many movies that you really liked, mm-hmm. you think about what you want to include in your list and giving it a little variety and I don't know. Right. I don't know. Do, do you guys factor that in at all as far as a list that is going to be interesting uh, to a listener or if the best movies that you saw all year were actually the movies we had talked about on the show and that everyone was talking about, would you feel confident coming in here and, and reading like, you know, the top 10 biggest movies of the year, biggest in terms of the broader culture? Or do you feel like you, you need to have a little bit more of a, a personal stamp on your list? It has to have the personal stamp. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. You know, there, there's something to be said about how our choices kind of uh, are a representation of who we are in some ways. Mm-hmm. It's, it's why people get so upset when you say, like, you know, Aquaman sucked, and somebody's like, I love that movie, because right. you attach emotion to right. things, mm-hmm. you know what right. I mean? It, in some way, you like to believe that your taste is okay, and that's why you like it, Yeah. and if somebody's attacking that directly, that means they're attacking <clears> you, <throat> which isn't true. No, it's not. It just means that the movie... But it's a weird moment when you've gone out saying you like something, and then someone's like, I hated that, yeah. and they don't even mean it as a slight on you, but you right. feel like, well, you, so, oh. you, you took something away from me. Now, when now. people say anybody that likes that movie is stupid, yeah. I've heard things like that. Right. Um, and I've said things like that, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I try not to say that quite as often as I used to. Well, you please know, say it when we're recording because it makes the show more interesting. Oh uh, yeah, man, they're definitely. <laughs> I have some hard opinions on some things, but I've been trying to ease off of that and, and be more open to stuff. And and that's kind of my list is kind of there. There are a couple of movies that I don't think I ever would have put on the list, mm-hmm. but that also has to do with like you know just you guys introducing a whole genre of movie, right? That I never knew about until today. I have a question. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm a fan of a, a few that I listen to religiously. And, like, you know, when they go through lists or when I'm reading articles about end of year lists, it always, like, I feel like it really, people really start to, like, talk about, and I notice the choice of words, like, the 10 best films of the year versus mm-hmm. my 10 favorite films of the year or, oh, like, right, or right. The, the, the top films of the year. Like the top films would be like more like ambiguous, like where you'd probably have a mix of both. But like, how do you guys approach your list? At least this year, maybe it's been different in the past. Like, do you see a distinction between what you're calling the best films of the year versus your favorite films of the year? Oh, Sometimes. Yeah. Mm. Sometimes I see the biggest films that I know people are going to remember 
Mm. That's kind of what I was talking about before is that slight difference between your personal yeah, yeah, preference. Yeah. But I think sometimes I, I, I try to mix it up. Like th- there's a possibility this t- this list tonight could have been all blockbusters, all big movies. You oh, know? Yeah, yeah. I got you. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that's not 100% where my heart is in terms of movies I go see. So I think I, I feel like it's it's on me to to make sure that I'm mentioning the movies that maybe only I would mention here tonight. But I also okay. don't think I have anything on my list that's super deep and super obscure. So right. I mean, I've seen a lot of other. I don't call us critics, but I've seen a lot of year-end lists by a lot of folks, and I've—I think most of the movies that I would mention tonight are are on someone or another's list. You know, I don't have a lot of crazy outliers. I don't know if you have anything that you think is a discovery, or do you feel like it's all stuff that's in the conversation already? I definitely have an odd one, but mm-hmm. I don't—I mean, I—I I feel like at least one of us <clears throat> has seen it yeah. and thought it was a good movie. I don't know where it ranks, <laughs> right? But it's. There are some, I mean, I think it's kind of the same thing. Like, at this point, we can kind of pick out prestige films kind of with our eyes closed. We can just listen to the dialogue from a trailer Right. at this point, just because we've watched so many movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's something about the formula that makes something good that I am adamantly against in some ways, but also... Well, if I watch it and I like it, I can't fight it. I'm not going to yeah. purposefully be like, this is shitty. Mm-hmm. It's... I'll give you an example. Like, I watched the... This is not a movie that's like would be prestige, but I watched the Fire Fest. Yeah. Both of them. Love yeah. them. Yeah. I mean, I have issues with one of them versus the other, but... If our schedule had worked out where we could have done an episode about the dueling documentary, yeah. that would have been a fun topic. But you know, you know that... I know that... You know, I have issues with Netflix. I have yeah. issues with certain types of documentaries. I love that fucking movie. Mm-hmm. I love both of them, in fact. Right. So it's like one of those things. Like, I, I have my biases, but I can look past them if I like something. It's, mm-hmm. it's okay. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not banging my fist every time I watch something that I'm like, I shouldn't like this, but I love it. Right. So, yeah. What about you, Steve? you have any sort of surprises, or do you feel like everything <clears throat> is like... If we were betting on each other's lists tonight, do you think your list would be... Predictable? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like when I asked the question like earlier, it's just like we know each other pretty well. And like we know we've seen films together or we've heard one another talking about movies. We're like, oh, I know. Mm-hmm. I, re- I remember John loved film X and you loved film Y. Like I'm sure it's going to pop up. Mm-hmm. You know, and we have like. Those were an, great I, films, by yeah, the way. Yeah, there were hands. And hands you know what? You came in with film Z. Z, you know, like <laughs> wild card. Um <laughs> But yeah, you know, it's just there's this there's this sense of like we know each other's tastes well enough, but that goes towards saying that we can expect certain things. But I feel like some people make list kind of with the, the this idea of like I've gotta I've gotta talk about the movies that are probably objectively mm-hmm. or as much as of you can say objectively are like the most well made movies or like right. the best received films mm-hmm. or best. Not that you're saying this is the like most high the highest critically received films because you can look at a number it's like important yes versus enjoyable or something that's what i'm getting at like i can watch a movie and i'll say i love movie a i love movie b yeah i love movie a because of like the message it was saying it really knocked out of the park it really kind of nailed it but i love movie b just because like i had a fucking blast watching that movie Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know and then when you make a list in my mind the movie b is the one i'd probably put on the list because it's probably the one i'm going to go back to multiple times and watch multiple times I don't know that I'd ever go back to movie A. Maybe. And mm-hmm. I'm sure I would still enjoy it. But it's it's had its impact on me. And I will remember it for that. But B is the one that I'm going to be like, when my daughter's of age or whatever, or, you know, this is the one I'm going to be like, dude, 
this movie. Like, mm-hmm. I remember Daddy was in the theater. Like, I, I look forward to that. Like, mm-hmm. you talk about with, with Henry. Like, I want that. And those movies are the ones that I feel like I'm more so putting on my list. Like, I have a those, lot of bees. What's that? I have a lot of bees. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I'm the, the, the more I thought about it when I'm making my list, I'm like, <laughs> the bees are what I'm putting on my list. Like, there's a lot of films that I love this year that are great movies that I gave great ratings to. Mm-hmm. That are in the, you know, maybe top 20, 25 on my list. But I mean, the ones that really made the cut for me are the ones that I feel like I would probably go back to, you know, and and had some takeaway that in, that was so enjoyable that like, they're going to have some sort of holding power, staying power, revisit, like rewatchability, those kinds of things. Yeah. You know? Okay. Cool. But, I mean, we'll see. Yeah. That's uh. Well, that makes me feel better because I definitely have a lot of bees. Well, I think if we bees. all come to this with this attitude, I mean, it's funny. I, I had uh, a friend comment that they always enjoy this episode partially because we spend so much yeah. of the episode wringing our hands about what it means to make a list, you know? Yeah. But I do think that we're guys who don't, like, we're not tastemakers or anything. Sure. So what do we have when we do this show except for our opinion and, right. like, being able to back up our own ideas? And so you just want to have a list that that is sort of like your contribution to the, even if it's just this conversation, if people are listening, I bet most of the movies that we talk about on these episodes are movies that are familiar to sort of film buffs mm-hmm. if they're listening. So we're not really turning people on to it so much as maybe kind of, maybe we're pointing a few people in the direction of a movie or something. Right. But what can you do except just voice what your what your tastes are, you know? Right, right, but right. trusting your own taste and not worrying about whether this is the official list of the most important films released this year. I actually made a note of all of our picks for the best movie of the year since this podcast started. So if wow. you guys don't, don't mind, I'm going to... I would love to hear this. Uh, for 2011, I was not here, but uh, Ronald James's favorite film of the year was The Artist... Ah, I really do. And like Steve's was Drive. I stand by that. 2012. So good. Demo. Ronald's favorite film was Beasts of the Southern Wild. Mm. Steve's was Silver Linings Playbook. And mine, in a last minute surprise, was The Gray. That stands <laughs> yes, out in my mind. I remember that. Still one of the best moments is how happy you are when I... when I. I was so happy because it was on my <laughs> list, too. And I was yeah. like... Damn, John just picked it as number one. But it also—you start- saw it so late in the game too. It started a tradition of me seeing a movie right before we yeah. recorded that that jumped to the top. Made, of my made list. a play in 2013. Ronald's favorite movie was Twelve Years a Slave. Uh, mine was Captain Phillips, another late yeah. addition to my list, which I still feel like when I think about that movie, I just think about I regret, that one moment. I regret that, that so much. That was so much. I regret Twelve Years a Slave. Oh, you do? Yeah, man, I like that movie, but like slavery movies as a number one, yeah, that makes me feel weird. If it makes you feel any better, we talked about that. Yeah. We talked about yeah. like that aspect of it. But I really like that movie. I know. It's really well made. It's, it's so Steve McQueen makes good movies. Like, um, and Steve's was Prisoners. Oh, so good. Love it. 2014, uh, Ronald and Steve both said Selma. And I said oh, Whiplash. Whiplash. Uh, 2015, I said Room. Steve said uh, Mad Max Fury Road. And Ronald said The Force Awakens. Yeah. See? <laughs> so Abby, we, like, yeah. we were all excited, super excited to have movie. Star Wars back. Yeah, man. baby. I love that movie, uh, yeah. I do, it's, it's probably my favorite of the new ones they've it's made good. still. Um, uh, 2016, I said Hunt for the Wilder People. Ronald said Moonlight. And Steve said Arrival. Ooh. And then 2017, um, Steve and Ronald both said Get Out. And I said Logan. Nice. So it's a good it's a good mix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not like mm-hmm. we always not not one of us always picks the popcorn or the non popcorn. Yeah, 
So I it's think true. That's a good it, point. It allowed me to feel much more free about what ended up at the top of my list because mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I don't always do any one particular thing. Gotcha. But I do think if I'd seen any of those list busters I mentioned earlier, it's possible I would have had another one of those. Oh, I love this movie I just saw yesterday, and it's got to be my number one. Right. So right. I'm glad most of these movies that are on this list are movies I've had a lot of time to ruminate on. So gotcha. I don't know. Does everyone feel good about their past choices for number one, or do you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is there anything you would change? Do you think? Would you go back and pick a different one for anything? Just Twelve Years a Slave made me feel weird. Yeah. Just looking back on I it. I feel like I had a list. I feel like I, when I was mentioning when I went back over them, I think there was one. It might have been. Man, I feel like it might have been the year. Man, I can't remember what year it was. I want to say it was the Selma year. Mm -hmm. I think I may have changed 2014. Was that 2014? It was 2014. And that was the year that in in our top three or four, we all three had Guardians of the Galaxy, Selma, and Whiplash. Yeah. And I felt bad when I was listening to that. It was like, my heart's probably more with Guardians of the Galaxy. I was saying that's the one I feel like I changed. Like yeah. when I made my when I read, and I also feel like I should have had Gone Girl in that conversation. Yeah, because I, I mean it was on my list, but mm-hmm. again, that's a situation where like I've watched those movies again since then, and uh, but I mean I really enjoyed Selma, but uh, Gone Girl was so good. It was. I watched it like in the last like six months, and it was oh, like, wow. wow. But yeah, I feel pretty good about those choices. Yeah, no, I feel like those are all, and those would all be movies that would still be if even if they flux a little bit, it'd still be like in my top two or three of the yeah, year. Same. I, I would watch all of those movies for if, sure. If that was like a playlist, for or sure. If, the, if those, if I went to a cabin and those were the DVDs they had on the shelf, you rented I, the right cabin, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Except why do they have DVDs? Am I, well, right? I mean, you know, what is this? It's a cabin. Well, we're kind of pussyfooting around this fact that there's started this, off John uh, thing where we got to do. do okay, it. all right. Do it. Okay, I'm making ten. We're going ten through six, and then we're going to discuss five through one mm. in a little more depth as we each go around. I'm going to go with my first instinct, even though there's another movie that could have been in this slot, but I'm banking on Steve maybe having this okay. movie on his okay. list. So I sure hope that uh, that uh, maybe I make a mistake. But um, I'm going to put as my number 10, uh, Hereditary, a movie that I felt like kind of fell off a lot of people's conversations after it hit. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I think it was one of those kind of prestige horrors that we talk about that that some people debate whether it delivered as a horror film. But I think the, the big surprise with this movie was it did. It, it had some really shocking, some stuff. Really shocking yeah. stuff in it and some stuff that's still hard for me to kind of think about. Um, it's hard for me just to even think about. And then Tony Collette's performance is just earth-shaking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So whereas there are other movies that are maybe more fun that I would have liked to put in a kind of horror slot like this, this is a movie that I, I, I found myself thinking about throughout the year. And I do think if you're going to have that reference to something being important or something having an impact, sometimes you can gauge um, just how important a movie is to you based on how, how much you've thought about it since you've seen it. Sure. So... Hereditary is in my 10 slot. Um, the movie that's in my 9 spot is a movie that might surprise someone at this table because I don't think you like this movie very much, but the performances in this film and the design of it and the sheer sort of bravado of it, I really think the favorite has sort of lingered in my memory as, as yet another movie that I'm going to think about certain moments in it. Mm. It cuts close to the bone. It's got sort of a, an ugliness and a discomfort to it. Okay. And those, those three actresses are just they are very good. doing amazing work in it like for one thing if you've been an olivia coleman fan all this time it's a movie that's really going to like i feel like her name is now on people's lips and that's something that is as yeah. awesome mm. so the favorite is number nine uh number eight for me is can you ever forgive me which was a very small subject and a very 
like a sort of a crime story, but a different kind of crime story than we're used to seeing. And it's, it's really elevated by Richard E. Grant and Melissa McCarthy acting off of each other and having this really great relationship and doing very unshowy acting. Like it's it's a it's a different sort of role for her, okay. but it's underplayed in a way that I think she's maybe it's starting to do this type of role. But uh, you know, it's it's what we know she's capable of. And Richard E. Grant, I don't know if either of you guys saw that. Movie. I have not. But uh, it's just if you know him and you know his kind of style, that sort of that sort of dissolute, washed up kind of drunk Brit guy that mm. he does so well. Like it's it's the perfect sort of uh, Richard E. Grant performance. Okay. Um, in my number seven spot, boy, this is a hard one, but um, I'm gonna give it to Infinity War, uh, a movie that, for all of its overhype, I think did this amazing huge thing that very few movies have even tried to do and when I look back on that movie and I've seen it a few times it, it still works for me um, it's got moments that are among my favorite of the whole Marvel shebang and I think even though we know there's a sequel coming and everyone's up in their head about the ending yeah. not meaning anything I yeah. think this movie gave us a year where we got to say okay this was the movie where the bad guy wins yeah. and I think that that'll be unique uh, in the in the pantheon of superhero movies, even if we know there there's a part two that's going to change that. Mm -hmm. um, and then in my number six slot, a movie that I think we all really commented on at the beginning of the year, and it really won a lot of hearts and minds, and it's one of my son's favorite movies, and I've seen it several times too, so I know it kind of stands the test. It's just a pure, simple movie, works on its own rules. I would say don't look into it too much, don't ruin it. I'm afraid of the plans to make sequels to this film, but A Quiet Place uh, really... Just hit me in a big way this year with its message about family and the importance of kind of protecting that, but also just seeing John Krasinski have this this act in his career that I didn't expect to have. He was yeah. a very credible action hero, and I thought a really good director. Mm -hmm. So that's my ten through. You six. did it, John. You did it. I knew you could. What do you got, Ron? That, why are you? Why, why am I next? I'm just going around the clock here. Okay. Uh, number ten, Ready Player One. I've watched this movie so many times at this point. It is not. The greatest movie, the adaptation from the book, I hate to be this person, wasn't perfect, but it still is a fun movie, and I think about it constantly. Mm -hmm. Not constantly. Think about it a lot. Number nine. <clears throat> a simple favor. A simple favor. It was... Oh, really? Yeah. It was like, uh, just had like Cruel Intentions vibes. Definitely. And it was something that, it kind of snuck up on me. It was, was fun. I liked, I, was it, I liked it a lot, too. Uh, it, it just is one of those movies that I, I was not expecting to be good, and it was so fun. And they're they're yeah, they're really good together. Yeah, yeah. yeah the chemistry and Kendrick especially. All those characters yeah. just really t this small town, and all the things that surrounded it were. I was intrigued. It felt mm -hmm. like I was watching a season of a of a show in one movie, which is really cool. Um, next one is, <clears throat> oh fuck, I'm gonna have to say a quiet place. Um, a Quiet Place because it just felt like I was watching something that I hadn't seen before done in a way that I hadn't really, you know, the prestige horror thing is, all that really is, is just horror, horror films being told with an eye that wasn't, that it hasn't been told with an attention to some, some details that really hadn't been shown. I, I just think there's something happening in terms of what's happening with it's almost like people are like, oh, these movies can have depth to them. These movies yeah. can have characters with feelings and 
you know, a beginning, middle, and end, and they can change during the course of a film. I don't know why that's like been. I'm not saying that didn't exist before. Yeah, it's like more mainstream. Well, I would say series. a quiet place is almost that. It's that. It's mainstream. It's yeah, like yeah. that's an actual mainstream like mainstream movie that goes right down the middle. Right. But it has the trappings of. Like from the trailer, it had the air of that kind of arty horror. But right, when right. you see it, it's definitely like you it's, know what I mean. It's 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 meant to be a very exciting movie. So right, I think right. that movie, yeah, you're right. It's um, almost like it's almost like art arty uh, prestige horror goes mainstream yeah, in that movie. Yeah, I mean it's it's like it's like a horror film starter kit. If you like, you know, this is something good. It's not too crazy. Yeah, it's well done. It's what I'd start somebody with. Don't ask too many questions about the premise. Just enjoy questions. the. They have to be quiet. Just deal with it. That's yeah. the premise. Um, Don't ask well, what happens when they fart or whatever people like right. to say. <laughs> what uh, does happen when they fart? Steve? Number seven is one of my favorite movies of the year, just because it was nuts and kind of all over the place. Stop motion animation, subtitles, Isle of Dogs. Oh yeah. Fuck man, I just. I've watched it a couple of times. It's a beautiful movie with a cool message. I really enjoyed it. My number six is Upgrade. Upgrade, man. What the fuck was that movie? And, <laughs> and, it, it, and it felt like... So Venom was supposed to be this movie. Just to give you... A, the way that Venom kind of carried itself, the like body horror thing, this movie did it 50 million times better on a shoestring budget. Mm-hmm. And, and it just was action with comedy done in a way that was so funny mm-hmm. and so well done that I just, I, I really enjoyed it. I didn't like the film as much as a lot of guys I know, but I think what I did like about it was that kind of offbeat humor. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that ultimately it's a nasty little twist of a movie, too. Yeah. That like, it's it's not trying to be, I mean, if it does set up a franchise, it didn't do it by... By being by playing nice, do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I think yeah, that's definitely. an interesting approach. And yeah. I, I, yeah, I couldn't decide if his performance was really funny or <laughs> if they just found a way to use his kind of awkwardness in a way that was funny. But sometimes that's all you need. It's like even if it's just the actor, you know what I mean? Like, right. I, the, a guy doesn't have to be a brilliant actor to be used really well in this type of movie. That's, that's my. I loved Upgrade. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was good. really good. So that's my ten through six. All right, for number 10, I have Eighth Grade, Bo Burnham's directorial debut. He also wrote it. Um, so, like, just a real quick precursor to my list. I kind of looked through my list, and what I really am loving about it is that, like, there's all these genres in my list that mm-hmm. I feel like hit the spot for me in those genres. Yeah. Like, like, this coming-of-age kind of movie, the awkwardness of adolescence into the teenage years and looking into what adulthood looks like and you know the performance is really great really subtle and it's just like you feel <clears throat> this girl's like uncertainty on what the world is and just like trying to find a place in it um one of the great scenes in the film is the pool party scene i think is just like one of the most uncomfortable scenes of the year on on screen and you know i'm sure most people can find something in their life at that time that they could probably draw a line to you know kind of compare it so mm-hmm. it's kind of relatable i feel like everybody's probably had an experience like that but i think it's just like a really confident you know kind of exercise for bo burnham and like he's really spot on with the script's great and the performance from Elsie fisher like who's a kind of i guess a newcomer i don't know if she's done anything before this mm-hmm. um i thought was really great so my number nine is uh blind spotting which is uh starring debbie diggs and rafael casal who also wrote the film together mm-hmm. just like a really like <laughs> straight. <laughs> I think the do? dog just agrees that movie was yeah. incredible. So 
My number nine pick was uh, Blind Spotting, which uh, stars <laughs> David Diggs and uh, Raphael Casal. Yeah, guys, my dog is flipping out in the background. and He's as, really excited about Blind as Spotting. As is often the case, sometimes we talk about it and then you can't really tell on the recording. Yeah. But I have a feeling yeah. this time it's going to be at least audible. So, yeah. yeah. yeah but, but, so we apologize. Yeah, but Steve has to talk about a movie. So. <clears throat> but anyway, Blind Spotting, again. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. Your Jeez. dog does not want this to happen. Did somebody just come in? Sound like something. Nope. Maybe somebody's trying to break in. So my number nine uh, <laughs> choice is uh, Blind Spotting. Watching that film just felt like there was like a like a finger on the pulse of so many things happening in this country, mm. and just a, a way to say some of the things that make it very understandable um, for someone you know that's not in the moment when these things are happening or or I'd say in this film like a victim of some of these things happening like it just kind of puts it forth in a way that's kind of you can't not understand what they're trying to say you know yeah. and, and they kind of present it in a number of ways like whether it's like a lyrical rap almost that's like in the middle of a line of dialogue um, mm -hmm. or in just like a, a set piece like a party that they go to there's so many opportunities for you to see what they're trying to say that it'd be I'd be shocked if you missed at least part of the message that they're trying to say. Yeah. Um, but just great performances. Both of them are incredible in it, I think. And, uh, you know, I'm very curious to see what, what they do next in, in the film world. Um, my number eight pick was Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse, which, again, is like the bell of the ball right now um, at the end of the year. Just Sony just knocked out of the park with this, you know, chance they took, I guess, on, you know, an animated Spider-Man film when there's another Spider-Man film coming out in seven months and mm. one just came out, you know, five or six months prior or a prominent role in, a, in, you know, in the Avengers film. But just everything they did with that film, the voice casting, you know, the whole Miles Morales story, which I was not familiar with that now I'm super invested in. I just think they did a really great job mm -hmm. and uh, everything just really works well in that film. My number seven is Ready Player One, which, like Ronald said, I've watched oh. a number of times. I'm not familiar with the source material, so that mm -hmm. that's something that I heard great things about. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I love Spielberg. I love all the nostalgia tips. I love the bouncing between the digital and the real world and the choices from going digital versus film, the way the film is shot. Mm -hmm. Um and just like it was very thrilling like it's just like a ride that it's i went on movie, and i loved it and i just yeah. think it's something that i would you know experience over and over again <clears throat> excuse me and number six is game night which is a movie we talked about a lot on the podcast which i think is probably one of if not the best studio comedies that have come out in the past five years minimum mm -hmm. they don't make them anymore hardly mm -hmm. and the ones that they do make aren't that great or aren't, aren't like challenging enough um but game night is such a confident kind of dark comedy noir that kind of mixes some genres up it looks like if a michael mann film was a comedy to me like just the color palette the way it's shot some of the cool sequences that they put together um it's pretty unpredictable even if you kind of know where the movie's going mm -hmm. overall they kind of find fun ways to kind of deliver these plot points and um just great performances i mean this is like a great cast of people that just like really really provide it uh, great performances. Jesse Plemons is probably a standout as the neighbor, but I think Bateman and uh, Rachel McAdams just were great together. And I've probably watched that movie more this year than I've watched any other movie mm -hmm. that came out. Like just rewatching it at night, just like going to bed, oh, I'm going to watch Game Night. Right, right. And I find it really fucking funny. Like it's so funny to me. It was really good. Um, but yeah, so that's Game Night, number six. Number six. Yeah. So that brought us all. 
From 10 to 6. Yeah. So now you're up, man. Number five. I need a peanut chew. This episode brought by peanut chew. Yeah. Brought to you by peanut chew. Fun fact. uh, The original dark flavor has no milk in it. It gives a warning that it might be in the proximity of milk. may contain milk, but there's no milk in it. It's amazing. It's nuts, man. It's It's nuts. As a chocolate (laughs) wax. It's not with no milk. It's like a accidentally vegan. I've been like really looking up stuff that doesn't have dairy in it because dairy wow. makes my stomach go nuts. Wow. And then like peanut juice. Nuts. No milk. No milk. So weird. Accidentally vegan is a good category because I bet there's a lot of junky shit that just by some fluke yes. is, is vegan. Is acceptable. Yeah. Twizzlers. <laughs> accidentally vegan. Get it. Sour Patch Kids. So just like straight up, yeah. like sugar. Just sugar. <laughs> this is a strange thing. All right. Number well, five, John. Number five. I'm happy to have a Coen Brothers movie uh, on my top oh, ten cool. list for the Very year. Cool. Um, and I am happy that it meets that category of a movie that once I saw, it stuck with me. Different scenes in The Ballad of Buster Scruggs which is an anthology movie that sort of pretends to be based on a book of short stories. And in fact, a couple of the stories in the movie are based on actual short stories written by other writers than the Coen brothers. But they wrote these other shorts that were, I don't know how long they've been working on it, but supposedly it was years and years ago that they first talked to Tim Blake Nelson about playing the role in this film. And they said they'd only written one or two of the pieces they needed for this movie, but they were planning on it. I feel like it was in the early 2000s or something that they they said to him, we've got this role for you. Wow. I don't know if that was so that he could go learn how to spin a gun around and all that kind of shit, and he had time. But So clearly they were planning this for a while. Sure. And I don't know, I guess that's relevant to me because it feels like for a, for a couple of guys who make movies that sometimes feel like, oh, this is the latest Coen Brothers movie, and it doesn't do anything to further your understanding of what they can achieve and kind of where their artistic intentions go. This was a, something that really did feel like a step forward for them, or kind of like then if you've enjoyed their key movies in the past, this movie really did bring something new sure. to the table. It had a bleakness of tone, had a dark humor, had a great cast as usual. But as is often the case, you've complained, Steve, about how when someone's in a Coen Brothers movie, you're like, why did they get so-and-so just for one scene? Yeah. But when you have an anthology movie, it's true. it doesn't seem strange that James Franco's only in the movie for 10 or 15 minutes or yep. whatever. Yeah. So it kind of works against that that weakness of some of their films, which is that they sometimes feel like a, a series of strung-together vignettes, and it turns that into a strength of this. Sure. And I also just like the structure of it. I like the way the book opens up and you see yeah. a, a, an illustration from the story you're about to see uh, done very authentically in the style of like an old you know illustration, literary illustration. But it'll have a little caption underneath it that is a line that from is that not story. relevant. To, you don't know what it means when you first see it, but when once you've seen the story, that line will mean something to you. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. even as the story ends, it goes back to the book and you see the end of the story. And if you care to read that, the last paragraph or so of the text as it turns the page to the next story will give you a little shading or a character idea or something that's not quite in the film that you just saw. So right. it's kind of also that's cool. built for like, you know, um, streaming pause culture. And I don't know. I, I just feel like this is a really cool movie from them at this point. There's definitely issues, but it's less like an issue maybe, but it's more like it starts a conversation about, say, the way that indigenous peoples are depicted in Westerns. This movie takes a very standard 
usage of those Western tropes, right. it didn't feel like it was politically incorrect or politically correct. It just felt like it was it was not doing anything to try to address I agree. that, I agree. which could be seen as a weakness in 2019 to mm. deal with those tropes and not comment on them. Right, right, right. But anyway, some great sequences, great segments. Uh, the one that I think about the most, which is perhaps the darkest, is Meal Ticket with Liam Neeson. Um, but the the gal who got rattled is is a really great yarn, and uh, that's another piece that does not go the way that you would expect it to. So yeah, just a, a good Coen Brothers movie, which to me means a lot, and um, beautifully shot, and the fact that it came out on Netflix, it was just like a little gift. The, the Coen Brothers movie was out, and I didn't have to be envious of people in uh, New York and L.A. I could just uh, go to my couch and watch it. So The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, sitting safe, slot number five, for John Walker in 2000. <laughs> Signing off. (laughs) (laughs) Over to you, Ronald. Um, Oh, God. My internet's acting weird. Okay, so my number... This is number five. Five. Number five. My number five pick is, I think, first-time director Jonah Hill's mid-90s. This movie is 1990s Los Angeles. A kid, he's 13. He meets this group of kids and kind of... He, he goes through the skate shop and then he befriends them and it's 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 it reminds me of how it was to be a kid in the 90s um it's unfiltered the language is kind of jarring if you're not used to hearing it in movies mm-hmm. um it feels like a documentary more than a, a film the the dialogue feels very natural mm-hmm. um it just is one of those movies that Reminds me of kids, the way that I felt about kids when I first saw it. It was just like, what? This piece of America that wasn't exactly like my childhood, but I could relate in a lot of ways. Right. I was one of those kids that would just get up with my group of friends, go away, and I'd be, I'd come back in the house and I was panting because I did something that was probably illegal, probably ridiculous. I broke something. I broke a window. I did something. <laughs> I sped. I sped down a hill. With a scooter, and I almost got hit by a car or something like that. You rebel. Yeah, and it's something about that feeling of being a kid and, you know, brushing, having these brushes with danger and it kind of developing your boundaries as a person. You kind of realizing who you are through these experiences and wanting to become a part of a group. And then you realize maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not the loser I thought I was. Maybe I'm not the low. I'm not on as low on the totem pole as I thought. For sure. And there's something about people that can make you feel special, even though it's traveling around skateboarding, breaking mm-hmm. the law. There's something really. Uh, uh, this movie has a lot of heart, and it kind of comes together in a really cool way towards the end. Well, so. when you mentioned it has heart, I was going to ask: um, Is it the kids of this era? But you, if you're saying it has a lot of heart, to me, it feels like kids was. A bit more right, right, acidic right. and it's, acerbic and kind of difficult. Is it in that like, zone, or is it? I mean, is it a little warmer and fuzzier than it. kids, or is they're, it? Is it parts, pretty unpleasant? The parts that feel very unpleasant because mm-hmm. it's a lot of like, you know, your masculinity is 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 not really a thing. You, you know, kind of something about it, so you you replace your discomfort with homophobic slurs right so it's a lot of that like don't touch me yeah yeah don't 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 hug me don't don't look at me like that it's Mm -hmm. just a lot of that and it's a lot of people i've read that it it just makes people uncomfortable but that is what kind of being a little boy is you know as you're trying to develop 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's so, I've never seen anything done like that before. I mean, not even the wire. I mean, not to like the you know when the wire covered the kids in in the city. That part was never covered quite as well as this was. Jonah Hill captured something, um, and it's not perfect. Um, I don't think that any movie really is, but it does capture adolescence in a way that I just haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's my pick. Mid nineties. Mid nineties. All right, Steve. So my number five is probably the most underrated movie of the year, I think, that basically nobody has seen. I think John has seen it. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've seen it. American Animals? Yes. Yeah, I think it's the most underrated movie of the year. I think that what Bart Layton has done with the movie is uh, kind of done this amazing thing where he tell he's telling this feature film version of a, of a real story where he's mixing actors with the real subjects of the, of the true story and even having them interact with one another. Mm-hmm. And... Um, there's like just amazing stuff working with the ideas of memory and recall and like the unreliable narrator and um, just just this awesome story that like somehow makes an art heist, which is kind of like a, you know, sexy thing, you yeah. know, even more interesting. You know, like these kids basically in 2004, I think it was, um, in Lexington, Kentucky, basically decided to steal these rare paintings from a, a library mm. at their university and... This movie is about that, about their planning of it, about how they researched how to do it, basically with a blockbuster membership, mm-hmm. you know, and and thought that they could pull this off. And there's just some really cool filmmaking decisions being made. I mean, he also wrote the film, um, but just on on, on, on multiple viewings, I, I kind of like was wowed by it the first time. And I love what this filmmaker did with the documentary The Imposter, which also kind of plays with this idea of like the real fictional stuff. I mean, the real world stuff mixed with some reenactments. But in this case, it's actual like actors acting it out. Right. uh, Evan Peters and Barry Keogh are just incredible in the movie, especially Peters. I know. Um, Amazing. He's he's incredible. Like, he's Mm -hmm. one of my favorite performances of the year. Um, But it's just like that. It's like that slick, like, crime caper. Mixed with like a, did this happen this way? Mm-hmm. You know, and seeing the real subject walk into a scene and out of a scene and talk to Evan Peters in the scene, and like they're talking to one another, the guy he's playing about, like, did that really happen that way? Like, yeah, you know, how would you play that? Like, it, you know, it's like there's a weird thing happening that just works, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's a thing that more filmmakers will will do with movies in the future, but if so, like this is maybe a new kind of genre of film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm a sucker for like a great crime caper heist kind of movie you know and the fact that these were just a you know dudes in college who thought they could you know selfishly thought that they could make this work yeah um is just like a really cool story and i think that the filmmaking behind it really is what makes the movie work and i do believe it's like the movie that i feel like people need to see like i've recommended to as many people as i can because i feel like they would i feel like most people would enjoy it if you're if you're down for that kind of movie that i just described you know kind of like a thriller you know, it's a thriller. Mm-hmm. I, I was I was engaged the entire film, um, but yeah, American Animals number five. Yes, I was hoping that would be on your list. Yeah. <laughs> that was was one that of those, the one? That oh, was one of those. Okay. The, the, one of two that I played that way. Okay. That I was like, okay, no, I agree. The way that that played around with the mix between documentary and and the the fictionalized version of the footage, yeah. and the way that. <sighs> 
it addressed the way that even this very small crime that you would like to think is kind of a fun sort of victimless crime, it addressed the, the, the human cost oh, of sure. that yeah, in yeah, a way yeah. that, that was very surprising the way it worked into the movie because you were both surprised to see the crime itself unfold and realize there was this human cost, but also to then use the, the same way they'd been using the documentary aspect of that to bring that totally. issue of their culpability and what actually they had done. So, so yeah. It, it was allowed to be a little disturbing. I heard people say that they felt that those uh, guys got off, like off the hook. The movie let them off the hook, but I didn't really feel that way at all. I did not. Either. I feel we, like it, I think it, we talked about this on the podcast. I, I don't. I don't understand that criticism. Yeah. I mean, just because they were able to participate in a film, and like one of them, I think, is a filmmaker now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Evan Peters' character is a filmmaker. Right. Like, I, I you know, they 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 served time. I mm-hmm. mean, like there were serious. I mean. I guess that's the problem is what you feel like serious is yeah. and or yeah. the, the ability for them to be a part of this and be like doing press tours and like, you know, like, sure. I mean, well, I guess the idea that someone has done their time, I know that things are going to be different for them after they get out. But I do think that we should consider that. Oh, I totally agree with yeah. you. If someone has sure. served their time. Jail time is crazy. I don't know why that's always perceived to be like a cakewalk. They should have. Jail right. time is jail time. I don't. Your life stops yeah. and it's changed. Forever. Yeah, I don't know why that's made a bad sh- decision, guys. Like yeah. these guys made a really bad decision, right? Yeah. And you can tell, like John said, like in this film, it does address like how it affected their lives, mm-hmm. and they and, seem like, embarrassed. Yeah, like, they oh, don't really sure. seem like they're celebrating. I think the movie allows you to think that maybe this is headed for a sort of that kind of nihilistic <clears throat> approach yeah. to the crime, but at the end, the everyone involved seems to realize that what they were doing was stupid and yeah. and ultimately crueler than they realized. I assumed it would be, yeah. 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 Mm. All right. So, bum, 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 my number four. This movie kicked my ass so many different ways. Uh, Mission Impossible Fallout, one of the biggest action movies I've ever seen. Um, we definitely talked about it on the show. So there's not much to say. I mean, we've talked about Tom Cruise up and down the street. We know that we're just waiting for the bad headline about this guy before we suddenly can't put movies like this on a list. <laughs> but as far as like going for it and, and, again, just gluing me to my seat, blowing me back in the theater, everyone was so into it. It was either IMAX or, or LIMAX, but it was a giant screen. Yeah. Um, and I saw, you know... The fact that my, my wife and my son were both there and we were all sort of equally excited to see this movie. It, it just it just had us in the palm of its hand from that great opening sequence mm. where they pull off this this little uh, little uh, trick on the audience as well as on one of the characters. But, you know, to that final fight where it's Henry Cavill and Tom Cruise just and their characters' hatred for each other coming out in this never-ending uh, bit of uh, fisticuffs yeah. on a cliffside. I have no idea what they're going to do in the next two, but the fact that they're doing the next back two Mission Impossible films kind of back-to-back back, makes me think there's going to be a little bit more of a story or some kind of a continuation or something because yeah. they're going to be year to, one year after the other. Mm. Yeah. But also, it's it's uh, it's changing the series because this will be... I mean, Christopher McQuarrie has now written and directed two of these, and he's going to be doing two more. So it's yeah. kind of turned into the Christopher McQuarrie series. Um, I don't know what you guys think about that, I'm but just it. but just in general, yeah, it's like it's different than what they've been doing. But obviously, they have something that works. Yeah. Obviously, Tom Cruise likes working with this guy. Yeah, they've done a lot together. So yeah, they really they have. have like a good relationship that is obviously working. So mm-hmm. I'm 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 for it. And even though Fallout did seem like in a way, how can you top that? I don't really want them to try to top that. I don't know how they try to top that. Maybe mm-hmm. it's by going smaller. Maybe it's by going leaner. But this was. 
you know, the big summer action movie that you hope for. And I'm not even like, you know, I'm not, it's not always action for me that, that gets me going, but this, this kind of explosions and, and punching is, is my kind of explosions and punching. Yeah. So. Mission Impossible Fallout. My number four pick is Mission Impossible Fallout. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, it's uh, really Mission Impossible Fallout. Um, now, this, I don't know. I think something's happening in terms of just movies in general, right? So, like, to, to combat everything that's happening with, like, this, these amazing prestige TV shows, I think there's a concentration on developing these stories that feel very intimate but big right uh the scale is kind of crazy you know what this is a weird comparison total recall uh the surprise sort of thing that arnold schwarzenegger did it all movie haha he just kind of be behind somebody and yeah. shoot him <laughs> is what this movie did to me it's like it was a surprise after a surprise <laughs> and, and it didn't i think that they i think that they can go crazier i think they can get uh, more interesting. I don't but, think, but, but not Fast and Furious crazy. No, yeah, you're right. So I'm thinking just in terms of just how insane the story can get in terms of where he stands with whoever he's he's with or against. And mm-hmm. I kind of like the idea that you know uh, at any given moment somebody around him could die or mm-hmm. yeah, you know that that's yeah. a scary. I think that's something that they never get into with. Uh, Action films, like you know, seeing him dwelling on his past and some of the things that happened and relationships that failed, like what they're like really honing in on something that I I just hadn't seen in these sorts of movies, these big popcorn movies. Yeah, and I felt it. I was feeling some of the like flashbacks he had, some of the like weird nightmares he had. It just was a really well done movie, and. Well, Tom Cruise is also currently doing his version of "I'm getting too old for this shit." You know, like yes. his character is showing the the bruises and mm-hmm. being knocked around a little bit and stuff. So it is a little bit like this is the maturation of this franchise because yeah. hopefully with this last movie they move beyond that whole. He's got this wife or ex-wife that he still loves, and he's kind of watching her from the shadows. I feel like this movie Fallout seemed like it was trying to say, "We've we've just reached the conclusion of this franchise up till now. Like, what, yeah. where can they go now?" But I do think. Creating him as a character who's who's not split between two lives or not not so full of regret. Maybe having yeah. him looking forward uh, is going to be a plot difference because this movie really was almost like it, it did look back and it even brought back Ving Rhames. Yeah. You know what I mean? It brought everybody back really into cool. the fold for for a big role. And they're doing something with Tom Cruise that I'm really enjoying. It's like uh, he's not better than everybody. Mm-hmm. He's smarter than everybody, <laughs> and that is something that's really cool. Because like if you're fighting somebody that clearly is. Up in the same level of intelligence, but stronger than you. Mm-hmm. You got to outsmart this person because he's going to beat your ass. Right. Find a way around it. I think there's something really cool about true. Tom Cruise not being the strongest man in the room anymore. Mm-hmm. Him figuring out ways to beat people that are stronger, better than him. It's really cool. And I, I think that's... There must have been something that crossed the table when they were writing it. He's like, look, I'm not the same person I used to be. Mm-hmm. I'm still in the best shape of my life, but... That doesn't mean these people could be like. If this man came at me, he'd probably beat my ass. So I have to right. find a way to beat him. That right. it doesn't involve me fighting him head on. Mm-hmm. That's something cool about that man. I I think seeing that stuff happen with him is as a sign that maybe he's starting to understand that like I'm. I, that's that's what makes me cool. Not right. that I'm stronger than everybody. Not that I can beat everybody up in the room. 
that I'm the smartest guy in the room. Well, you know, it's like maybe Christopher McQuarrie and Tom Cruise working together. It's got shades of that, like, Lawrence Kasdan writing Indiana Jones for mm. Harrison Ford, where there's like a humor inherent in that character that if you have the right person bringing it to them, there is a world weariness to certain heroes. And there yeah. are certain mm. people who it's like, you know, it's like that moment when Indiana Jones reaches for the gun when the guy's got the sword. But it's like you want that hero who, like you said, it's not going to always be about being the 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 big strapping hero. Sometimes right. it's just like barely getting out. And I think Tom Cruise, right. in his intense, uh, amped up way, he's starting to play a little bit that joke of just the guy who's tired, the guy who's yeah, been yeah. through the shit. Like this movie had that joke where he's debating how he's going to jump out of that window and across to the other roof. And Simon Pegg is, you know, like sitting at the computer and giving him tips about where to go. And he's like, what are you waiting for? And he's like, I'm jumping out of a window. <laughs> Give me a second. Yeah. I like that they seem to realize that. Like the last few movies, they seem to know that we all think it's kind of funny and kind of cool that Tom Cruise is actually going to run a, down a runway and jump onto a, a plane as it's taking off, yeah. you know. So, no, I think that that gives the, the series a little bit of juice. But I just worry that he's... This just means Tom Cruise is going to die filming a stunt for a Mission right. Impossible movie. <laughs> that's that's they, what they I'm They keep signing of. on to do more. Yeah, yeah, But, yeah, I loved it. <clears throat> My number four is uh, Stars Born. Ah. I, um, this is like the big movie that, like, you know, coming out of the summer through the festival circuit was like, now this is the Oscar frontrunner or whatever. So, I mean, it had tons of expectations with it. Like, I didn't, I can't say that I was initially, like, super stoked on it. Like, even last year, hearing about this big remake of the film again and Bradley Cooper making his first uh, film as a director and having a hand I think in writing it um but man I feel like I was like just something washed over me watching the movie mm -hmm. I feel like the scene in the film which is in every trailer so it's no you know not that it matters anymore but spoiling anything but like there's there's just amazing chemistry between them in the film it is completely confident as the first film as is his first film as a director it's gorgeous the music is incredible. Their chemistry is great. But moment-wise, the the moment in the film where she comes on the stage and sings with him for the first time, yeah. like I just felt like something wash over me. Like yeah. I was emotional. I had goosebumps. And like just the build to that. Some argue that the movie peaks there. I might entertain that thought. I mean, mm -hmm. I think it doesn't end as strongly as it kind of gets to that point. Like they're, they're, they're meet-cute and like they're time together in the supermarket in the parking lot and like their quick uh relationship by the time he gets her on that stage um it's all incredible stuff I, again i love the music i think the performances are great um i think I, I i like bradley cooper is just amazing to me like i think he is incredible in the film sam elliott is so good um lady gaga is really good as well like i feel like performance wise like i don't love love her performance in the movie because i mean I don't know. Just I didn't. It just did, there are moments in it that I love her in it, but overall, I feel like there were parts where I kind of didn't. I was taken out a little bit where I could not see Lady Gaga. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, especially when she takes her turn into this like pop star world, um, in the movie. But you know, Beyonce was up for that role. I feel like I did read that. Yeah. He like was very close to picking her, and then wow. it kind of fell apart. Random. I must have made Kanye mad. You know, he would have been like <laughs> so pissed about it. On his I'm gonna let you finish, he, but he, it came up a couple of times, especially yeah. the Hollywood Reporter roundtable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely have have read that, but I don't know. Like, it just was the kind of thing. And, and watching it again, like it kind of just, just just sticks it for me. Like, I just mm. feel like it's kind of that. It's it's got that old school Hollywood something just works. Mm. Like when you get a good story with mm -hmm. really great chemistry between your two leads. 
and it just takes off, man. And I feel like the cinematography in this movie is like low key, like underrated. Like it's really good. It's really good, and I think it's Maddie Labatique that did the, the cinematography oh, yeah. for it. But it's gorgeous, man. There are some shots like even just like the the blocking, like when she does that scene coming on stage, and like. The sequence is when they're doing the rides across the desert and he goes out to look at the property with Sam Elliott. I just think some of the, just, just visually, the movie is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and you know, last shot of the movie is like, just knocks it out. I mean, like it's, it just ends so well. Mm-hmm. And it's got that last shot where she just looks up at the camera and I'm just like, done. I just loved it. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I say what I said earlier about it being like the front runner because I'm really curious to see what happens with it when the Oscars come around because mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like it has maintained all that buzz that it had through the fall, mm-hmm. um, maybe for some categories. But, you know, I just say that it's, it's, it's got that romance that I love, like in movies that really feels real. Mm-hmm. And it just like it feels like just like a shotgun romance that just like something just took off with these two people. And you feel it from the moment they meet. There's a shot in that. Have you seen it? Yeah. I don't. The the sequence in the movie, like when 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 he touches her nose. The parking lot scene. No, they're at the they're at the nightclub in the beginning of the film. Oh, okay. I, I think they're in the nightclub still. I'm 99 percent sure. Yeah. But it's just just like profile shot and this this musical cue kicks in. It's like this like soul R and B song. Yeah. And it's slow. It's fucking sexy, man. And like that moment, it's just like these two, they, these two are in it. Yeah. For something, whether it's good or bad, they're in it for something, and yeah. I totally bought it in that one shot. And uh, parking lot scene was one of my favorites. Yeah, scenes. it's great. It's really when they great. start to connect when they really start to like talk yes. for an extended period of time. I'm like, man, this is like, and like she and he chemistry. like gets her the bag of peas or whatever. Like you <laughs> yeah. know, like there's like little things that just are so small that I think yeah. just work so well for them. And like you really do just buy. I mean, at least I do. I buy that that chemistry, and yeah. I think it's just like fireworks. Um, from that moment in, in the nightclub to the parking lot to the on stage, even the bad moments like that, their chemistry together, like when they're fighting or something bad is happening, it's just like fireworks to me. I just mm-hmm. some, something there is just works so well, and that just sails through the film. This is such me. a Steve movie. I remember yeah. when we first saw the trailer for this, and I remember oh, know, yeah, yeah. like I, I, I yeah. not that I didn't think it looked good, but I remember thinking like something about the fact that it involves music and it's got this sincerity and yeah. this kind of heart to it, and I don't know, it just seemed like it was like one of those things where I was like, if unless this stinks, right, right, it's like it's got, it it ticks some of your boxes, totally. You know does. what I mean? Absolutely. Um, but no, I, I I think it is interesting to see the way that. that that front runner status, it almost it seems maybe that happens more often than I realize because it seems like it, it. I've been thinking about that the last few years where there's a movie that early on seems like oh yeah this is this the is one it. that everyone's talking about it and then yeah. by the time it gets to that year end conversation something has changed or it was it was out too long or maybe there's other things that actually were more Oscar baity that were waiting in the wings and we didn't know about. Right. All right, guys. My uh, number three is a movie we've already talked about on the show and that Steve's already mentioned, so I'm not going to belabor the point that Game Night is a fucking great movie. It's so funny. I mean, it's like if, you, if you've if you ever liked Jason Bateman, this has got Jason Bateman doing maximum Jason Bateman, the super great timing, great quips. His chemistry with Rachel McAdams is incredible. She's always someone I enjoy watching <laughs> because she does something a little different, a little intense, and and. She's, I guess she's been really funny in things before, but I don't remember seeing her have maybe someone to bounce off of that it worked quite as well as this. But the chemistry, she's very funny in this. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of the way I felt when I kind of discovered how funny Rose Byrne could yeah, be in Neighbors. in Neighbors. Yeah. This just felt like a great part for Rachel McAdams. I like stories 
even though this movie does try to do a little bit of the whole what's the problems within this relationship as part of the story, but it doesn't overdo it. And so many movies like this, I, I heard someone say that there's a misconception that couples are at their most interesting when they're fighting. And so, so many movies are made where you feel like the screenwriter's job is to say, well, this was a happy couple at the beginning, so they can't right. be a happy couple at the end. Sure. I, I do think it's rare to see an adventure that a couple goes on, and the movie's not about whether they're going to stay together. Again, they tease that a little bit in this movie, but I don't think it really feels like a big deal. Yeah. This is not a movie about problems coming out between them, or one of them being bad and one of them being good, or them meeting someone else. This is like a couple that goes out on a, on a caper together. And I love the fact that it, the point of the movie is what a team they are yeah, and sure. how they, 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 you know, they can kind of tag each other in and out of situations and they've got this competitive spirit. It's just such a great, funny, well-observed bit of character work, the idea of the, that type of people yeah. that take this gaming thing really seriously. Um, it's kind of like taking a list of best movies very seriously. <laughs> but um, And then, yes, as you mentioned, Steve, just the, the, the jokes are actually funny. The set pieces are actually creatively put together and... The, the whole cast is great. Um, is it Lamorne Morris? Yeah. Is that his name? So great. So good in this and so funny. And um, uh, uh, Kyle Chandler having a blast playing kind of a sleazeball. What's his name? Billy Magnuson? Yeah, I love him. Oh, man. He's so good. And he's perfect in this. I mean, he's just absolutely he's perfect. He's in a lot of stuff that he's really good in. Yeah, he's he kind of popped he, up. He was really good like a couple years ago when he was in The Big Short. Remember mm-hmm. him in that? He yeah. was really good. like that real estate agent. Had he was no on Maniac, clue. too, yeah. this year. Anyway, it's just yeah, it's great. You said it, it. It's it's a great comedy. It actually holds up. It. I want to say they don't make them like this anymore. Or they used to make more comedies that were just good, solid, kind of middle of the road comedies. But yes, maybe in the eighties. I've seen this three 90s. or four times now, and yeah. I'm still finding moments. It's like it's great when you've seen a comedy that many times, and instead of going, oh yeah, you know, three or four times in a comedy is is not as great. When instead you're looking forward to your favorite yeah. gag again, mm. it moves at a clip. It, it finds a way to somehow have a joke that ups the ante of the story. And maybe it flies off the rails a little bit with the twists on twists, but I feel like that is also part of the joke. It is. Um, totally. And then, yeah, you mentioned Jesse Plemons. The the great secret of this, his line about, um, how is this profitable for Frito-Lay? But I like, that's such a, <laughs> just it's, a great character. That's everybody, man. Um, I would say that the glass joke is the one that kills me. Oh, yes. That, <laughs> He's like, what is he fucking glass saying? Glass tables are acting weird, weird tonight. Weird tonight. <laughs> <laughs> the glass doesn't break. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, two times in a row. Oh, the second time, he's just God. like. But anyway, it's like it's oh, that it, delivery. Is you know, so, good. so often in a movie like this, though, they have characters that aren't really funny or lines that don't really work, and you just know it's supposed to be, and you kind of go with the flow. But this was actually clever and the and Denzel funny. joke. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I need to see it again. Oh, I love it. I, I've only Can't. seen it once. I, when really you good. saw it, you were like, "Tell me how much you loved it." Mm-hmm. I couldn't wait to see it. And Aaron and I were dying watching yeah. it, and like we, and it was just so funny, so funny. So yeah, and again, again I, I, I already said that it's got a nice pace to it, but I think part of what it does that's really great is it doesn't like that's what that second third viewing reveals to you. You know those movies that you watch yeah. a second third time and you don't get bored. Yeah, you're like, oh yeah, this moves. This scene leads to this scene leads to this scene, and there's not a moment where you're going like, oh, this is the part they have to have to kind of move this forward. Yeah. It's it's yeah. pretty steadily funny. The characters are all great. I'm forgetting the name of the British actress, but she's got some great stuff in this off of Billy Magnuson. Uh, from Catastrophe. Yeah. I can't uh, believe I'm can't remember her name. Her name. Yeah. Oh, uh, I forget her. She's funny as hell. I mean, we got her name. That's rude. Hold on one second. Are they having another season of Catastrophe? It's on now. Oh, damn it. Yeah, it's okay. two episodes in. Luther also started back up speaking of British stuff. Mm. Lufa. It is Sharon Hogan. 
That's her name. She's great too. Yes, Game Night. I, I mean, it's. A, I, I think it'll be one of those movies that years from now. Agreed. It, I'll I'll be watching it again and again. Cool. Um. Oh, this is my turn. All right. No, my number three. Animated Sony. How could this work? But it did. <laughs> Spider Man. Into the Spider Verse. It's one of my favorite movies of the year. It's just beautiful. Miles Morales. Uh, you know, S- Spider-Man is one of those properties that's been forced down our throats. Not every version has been good. And, you know, I've I've kind of said to you guys in the past that I'd love to see an animated Marvel movie because DC is kind of killing them in that way. Right. It's a weird thing that, like, DC is winning in that universe of animated now, I remember stuff. you sitting right here saying, guys, mark my words... When they start making animated superhero movies, like big ones, mm-hmm. it's going to change the rules of what they can do. Like, and you don't have the you don't have the concern about the CGI. That's yeah, bad. Yeah. Like, that's one thing about all the Marvel movies that I think is that, with the exception of maybe a couple, the CGI is going to age badly just for a couple yes. of years down the road. Yeah. You know, but yeah, and with with if you're animated top to bottom, you don't have that problem. Yeah, you, nothing looks rubbery. Yeah. Like that's nothing. It I mean, all at least blends. Yeah, yeah, this is just a well done movie with some cool techniques that Sony's actually trying to trademark. Now I don't know what the hell it's going to mean in terms of the future of animated stuff that they do, but it just has its own thing. It, it's it's really nice to have a movie, especially animated, when everything is like kind of trying to imitate Pixar. Sure. Trying to imitate Shrek, essentially. Trying to imitate <laughs> Pixar or Shrek. Right, right. Yeah. And and it has its own place. It has its own Or thing. try to be photorealistic. Like yeah, they're getting yeah. better at doing like nose hairs or yes, whatever. Yes, yes, yes. You know? And and it's 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 becoming its own thing. It, it this feels very unique. The humor is pretty amazing, and you find yourself laughing because a lot of animated stuff isn't very good. I, you know, I don't want to name some names about animated stuff that came out that wasn't funny this year. Just uh, name one name. Grinch. <laughs> just, like, he wasn't even waiting. Yeah. It just wasn't as funny as it could have been. I don't know. I haven't seen it. But you should see it. I will. It's not that bad. You I will. Ca- you will be like, oh, what? <laughs> I was like, well, I don't really shit on this movie. <laughs> it's but yeah, um, it, it just feels like it, it's its own thing, and I can't wait to see what they're going to do with it. Yeah. I'm kind of sad that they're going to do more stuff with I it. I know. Just because it feels very... It's interesting, because like... I think it's I yeah I get, I get it and I kind of agree with you both but I'm, I I feel like it's a good thing for the brand only because like me coming out of this film and again you know I agree I thought it was incredible like the not being the comic guy of the group again mm-hmm. I'll say it every time we yeah. talk about comic books it's like I, I pretty much have had this idea you know I'm beginning like, to think like, he is a comics guy Ronald he protests <laughs> under, so under much radar, yeah. yeah like have you, you know, seen all the Marvel movies yeah <laughs> yes more than once. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but even Thor: The Dark World. Actually, maybe not. That I was going to say I haven't seen that one twice. I don't know if I've seen it twice or Iron Man three. I'll asleep. Or I don't Iron think Iron I Man actually two. saw that one once. Yeah. That I yeah, I get it. it. My point was that I think that even not being in the comic world growing up or even as an adult with these films coming out, it's mm-hmm. like I've, I've I've gotten this vibe or like I feel like it's a commonly understood thing or people kind of maybe agree on this point that like Spider Man might be one of the more relatable and most relatable uh, superheroes out there. Mm-hmm. But I feel like with this film and maybe what they do with these films, it like I think there's no question about it now. Mm-hmm. That like the character of Spider-Man, whether it's Peter Parker or Gwen Stacy or 
Miles Morales, whoever it is, you know, in these these worlds that we or see. Or Spider Pig. Spider Pig. Mm-hmm. I can relate that. You know, mm-hmm. like Spider Man, whatever Spider it is. Spider Ham. Spider Ham. Spider Ham. Yeah. Like, it just, that was a big takeaway is that, like, the fact that Spider Man can look like anybody, yeah. like, that's a fucking awesome. You it's know, really like, cool, how man. do you not find something to hold on to with that character and be like, we can make it for everybody? Mm-hmm. And they kind of did in this movie already, right, in right. a way, but, like, they can expand on that. So it'd be kind of cool to see what they do with that. Absolutely. So. Cool. My number three number is three. Uh, a Marvel movie. is mm-hmm. is actually Avengers: Infinity War. Um, yeah, man, I fucking number love three? number three with a bullet. I've watched this almost as much. Actually, maybe I don't know. I've I've watched this movie a ton. Um, I I don't think I don't understand. Like, if you have criticisms about the film, I totally I have so many. I, I respect your opinion and I love you, but I don't I don't understand how like what they accomplished with this film is like it's unheard of, like. Just laughing now about Thor to Dark World, mm-hmm. or I'll say Iron Man 2, like movies that we don't think are good movies. Mm-hmm. But somehow, like, you know, the ship has stayed on course enough that it's come to this film. Or this film and the one that's coming out in three months or two months from now. Which, yeah. by the way, wow. Yeah. Two, two months and change? What a, yeah, so close. Um, craziness. Seems like they have another movie between now and then. They do. Yeah. They do. Uh, <laughs> but So close. The, I don't know. Just the fact that it gets to this point, I think it's just like... What Feige's done, what the Russo brothers has have, have been able to do by taking over the Captain America films and doing what they've done with the Avengers film, um, I mean, it blows my mind. Like, I don't understand, like, on a level of franchise, IP, cinematic universe, character building, character involvement, I feel like almost everything works perfectly in this film like for almost every character on the screen mm-hmm. it really does and i and i and isn't I've, it weird so many people criticized it for characters getting lost or having too many characters but when i saw it what i was what i thought was remarkable was that they did serve so many different characters in so many different ways not that everyone got like a major arc right. but it did feel like a legit guardians of the galaxy movie and an adventures movie that crashed into each other and somehow Josh Brolin was the main character but right. like oh totally that's it it did that. that's the point yeah it did that and it's like that is so strange that they pulled that off and that all those characters felt true to themselves and all the yeah. actors showed i don't know so i feel like the achievement of it's hard for me sometimes to not just mention that how unlikely it was that it turned out as good as it did yeah. but that is a huge thing and i mean i know i know you were disappointed yeah but to me, to not feel that way was already just amazing. And it's like every every scene, every character that interacted with a new character, there's this electricity you feel they have been building up to this. And and they can't do that every time. And I agree with you, Ronald. I don't want them to always have to be so big and always be hyping the next big thing three yeah. movies down. But as a culmination, I was surprised at how well it delivered. And that's what it is. Like That's what blows my mind is that it is a culmination. And it works. And I feel that it works so well. And, you know, as the story moves around and you have basically two storylines happening with our two leads of the universe, you know, with Iron Man and Cap doing two different things and, you know, and Black Panther's brought in after how huge that film was. And there's just so many things that matter. And I just feel like, yeah, the characters get their moments. I feel like, you know, the course correction that they've done with Thor in Ragnarok, you know, carried through to this film and arguably Thor has the moment of the film. Um, like a goosebump moment, Thor like, and uh, and Rocket and, yeah, and Groot, yeah, like fucking, like it's it's amazing, yeah. you know. And and Cap has his moment where he comes out of the shadows and he's holding off the gong. Like there's just, you know, this is like, you know, I just said it, but like mm-hmm. I'm not the fanboy, but fuck if this movie's got me to turn it <laughs> yeah. into a, I'm I'm a I'm the I'm the cinematic universe fanboy. Mm-hmm. Like I am so invested in seeing what happens with this story, 
regardless of who we think is going to live or die or whatever's going to. How do you the feel recourse. about that? How do you feel about its existence as a single movie? I'm fine with it. I really am. Like, are you I mean, able to do that thing of saying? Because that's been my take all along. Is like at the end of this movie, this movie ended this way, and if I didn't know what was coming next, I would be now just dealing with the consequences of this movie. This is the, the movie ending, where the, the bad guy won. Yeah. That's what I look at Avengers Infinity War as. Mm-hmm. They lost this. Right. This is it. I mean, that, that's what I see this film as, personally. And even if they're undoing a lot of that, and we know they are, <sighs> that's the fact the that movie. we got a whole year to feel that way, yeah. it's yeah. like, I don't know. Like To me, that feels bold, even though I, I can understand why some people say it doesn't mean as much as, as the hype would suggest. I do feel like that still is bold to leave people in that space for a year. Yeah. So. Well, you're also like acting like you don't understand what the source material of these comics are. Right. Like these guys come back how many times in what mm-hmm. iterations? Like it just happens. But you deal with that issue, you know, when you experienced them, when you were guys were reading them, you dealt with that experience on the page as it was. Even mm-hmm. if you knew a year from now they might come back. Yeah. You know, just like this film, I just felt like this was a movie like you said, John. It's it's Avengers and, Gu- and Guardians crashing in. Thanos is the main character. Mm-hmm. He wins. Yeah, he wins. He succeeds, and people are gone. Right. And the now. other thing is, people act like the fact that we know they're coming back means that they just have to hit a button. But you know, the whole point of the movie is going to be the cost. Oh, for sure. I would say anybody who didn't turn to Ash at the end of the last movie is who you need to be worried about. Absolutely. In the next movie, that's who you're most concerned about. Right. Yeah. No. I. I. Yeah, man. Yeah. I. I loved the movie. Um, the Russo brothers. I think just their their ability to juggle all the storylines, all the characters. Everything that's been set up over the past however many movies, 20 plus films, I think it is, or yeah. around 20 movies, um, it's just, I think it's a huge feat. And I mean, and I think the direction is great. I think all the performances are really like, they, the characters are the, they are the characters now. And mm-hmm. I mean, like, and they're together for the, for the ultimate team up of what the cinematic universe is. And, and, you know, in this film, you know, Thanos, Josh Brolin, I thought was incredible as Thanos. The, the, the capture was great. His performance is great. And, uh, you know, I bought into it 100%. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to see Endgame, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my number three. All right, my number two. Uh, we talked about this movie after we saw it. I don't know if I've talked to you since you've seen it or if you've seen it. But if Bill Street Could Talk is coming in at number two for me. I mean, Barry Jenkins is <laughs> a guy who's got this knack for showing... Uh, this is going to sound strange. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe not. He's got a knack for like showing faces for like lingering on someone's face mm. while they're dealing with something and while they're feeling something that's sophisticated and complicated. And the fact that he is a black director and he, of course, is telling stories mm. that have maybe not been told at this level. Um, the fact that those faces are faces of color that we're seeing on screen filmed in this lush, like if Bill Street Could Talk is a lush yeah. film. It's a beautiful film. You don't film. see that. It's got colors. It's, but I mean, it's soulful and deep and it's about love. And I think when we talked about it before, what I said was that, like, and this is definitely what I take away from that movie, is that somehow, even though this is a movie where bad stuff is happening, it's not a movie about how life sucks. It maybe is a movie about how everybody's up against something, and it's very fractal. Like, it, it's like one person's point of view, and you really believe in the righteousness of their mission. Like, Regina King has a, a plot line in this where she, she goes to see someone, and you feel her mission, yeah. And you feel why she's going to do it, but you instantly see how she can't really pursue the things she wants to pursue because of the humanity of the other person she's going to talk to. Right. Without being too vague, but anyone who's seen the movie will know what I mean. It's just devastating. And the fact that there is a little bit of a mystery. We don't know exactly what happened. In, in this film, there's a guy who's incarcerated, and it seems to be wrongfully, but we don't really know. 
And I think that adds to the the feel of the movie. I mean, it really seems like he got a raw deal, yeah. but the movie never comes down and shows us the night in question. It never comes down and says, well, here's the proof that someone else did it, or here's the, here's the real culprit. So we're left with this thing that feels very messy and feels very much like life. And the overriding thing you take away from this story that does have prison and accusing someone of rape, and it's got all this crazy stuff in it. it it's got fireworks between two families that, that don't necessarily get along 100%. What you really take away from it is the love yeah. of these two characters. Um, and uh, both those performances uh, of the leads is just, I don't know, it's just so sweet. And I think yeah. that's the thing that I love about this movie is that with everything else you could say about it, it's extremely sweet. And um, it's very open-hearted. And man, Barry Jenkins is so sincere. Like what he can do with just a close-up of somebody and lingering on them, knowing what they're going through, knowing what they're thinking. Um, it's, you know, it happened a lot in Moonlight too, where you just feel, you feel devastated in a strange way just because it's life, it's humanity. Um, and I think he's, yeah, a really interesting guy. And if you've noticed, I don't know if you follow his Twitter, he's one of the most positive Love people yeah. in the whole film Twitter world. Yeah, he's so. great. If Bill Street could talk, my number two. Um, my number two is if Bill Street could talk. Woot. Crazy. Um, look, man, without getting too crazy emotional, I love Barry Jenkins. Uh, everything he does is pretty incredible. It's it's made with a lot of love and emotion, a lot of pain. He's like one of the the directors where you can tell that he's experienced something, I can, you can't really put your finger on it. You're like, man, there's a lot of hurt, a lot of pain. Somebody that understands like this, that faint feeling of like, man. Well, we've all we've all experienced love in some way or another, right? I haven't. <laughs> and you know that barrier between you and you, eventually getting with that person. Mm -hmm. It's it's normally something huge that you have to overcome. I hope that it's never prison for anybody. Mm -hmm. But you know, you know that feeling of sometimes it's distance. We sitting across a glass looking at somebody or talking to somebody that you can't get to the way that you want to, or they might be dating somebody you want. You're like, right. fuck that other person. Right. I want to date this person. Right. Or time, or just shit not working out the way you wanted to. He captures that in a way that I just, I'm a big fan of Barry. And uh, I got to meet him at some point. I feel like I was in close proximity of him. <laughs> and I was like, but I'm going to meet him and tell him. I don't, I don't know how he's going to react to it. I'm sure he'd be very kind. But yeah, man, like I, I've, I've, I've just, I, it, it's like a painting. It's like a moving painting that. It's really hard to describe. It just it's feelings, mm -hmm. you know. Like it, you, some people see in colors, it's like the opposite. Like you see these colors and they emit a feeling. I was so sad watching that movie, but I was so happy because yeah. you knew that like after you got out of the jail, they were gonna love each other the same as they did when they first met. Well, there's that one scene where she goes to visit him, um, and it's um, I want to. I do want to mention their names: Kiki Lane and is it Stefan? Stefan James. Stefan James, who's fucking amazing. But that scene where she goes to visit him in prison and he's got shit going on and he's not very nice. He's kind of yeah. angry with her. Mm -hmm. That scene, like that's a scene that could happen between any two people in a relationship. But when one of you is in prison and right. you don't get to see each other that often, you just feel it makes like what you were saying is like as an obstacle to your love. Right, right, prison right. is a pretty <laughs> serious <Huge>. obstacle, <laughs> but. Um, uh, 
the fact that it doesn't flinch away from that fact, but you right. still end up feeling like it's about the love, it's about the relationship. I find that to be such a... I don't know that another oh, director could maybe work with that material and have it not feel heavy-handed yeah. or have it not feel grim or something. Um, yeah. That scene with the... Uh... The uh, the kid the kid the 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 property manager James Franco Dave oh Franco. yeah Dave Franco Dave Franco man the when he asked him why he was helping him and he's just like I something about loving people that love or mm-hmm. loving love or yeah. yeah Jesus Christ man that face that he was making when he's talking to them mm-hmm. is just a really good. That scene's so cute. Yeah. yeah. Where they're like acting out there. Yeah, yeah. Trying to convince. Like, help me carry the fridge. Or yeah. Like, oh, it's man. That's so sweet. Like, killed me, man. Because there's, there's always that, you know, you, you, you're with somebody and you're trying to help them understand something that you see. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it just, it's yeah. nuts, man. This yeah. is a really well done movie. Yeah. So, if Bill Street could talk to my number two also. Still, 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 Steve. My number two, I think John has mentioned it. I don't think you did, but Mission Impossible Fallout. All Mish. right. Um, we all have it in our top five. Yeah, man, Tom Cruise, <laughs> fucker, so good. I mean, he's like the biggest movie star of all time. Yeah, like, and he's, he's one the, of the few he's, now he's that like, you can still call a movie star. He's he, he's one of the last last movie stars. Man, he doesn't. Like, he's not he a guy really who stars is. in movies. He's you know, even though we know that he doesn't open everything, he does. This is this is his franchise. This is the franchise. He's that got he a opens. franchise that is arguably peaking at twenty two years old. Yeah. It's fucking crazy, man. That's nuts, man. To have that in uh, in your in your filmography is one thing, but to be Tom Cruise with that in your filmography is another. Yeah. And to think that you know this is a, this is a franchise that he almost kind of gave away, like when they were making Ghost Protocol. Mm-hmm. You know, it was basically like setting up Jeremy Renner to take over the Mission Impossible series. It didn't happen, and I'll say thankfully, because <laughs> I feel like Tom Cruise is like the action star that I. Just love to see. Now that said, I will make a point. I'm super, super stoked on like the the back to back Mission Impossible's with Macquarie and, and Tom Cruise. But I do want to see T- Tom Cruise do other stuff. Yeah. I think he's a really good actor. I think he's really kind of underrated as an actor. Mm-hmm. You know, I love a lot of his dramatic work. I'd love to see him get back to that. So get the get get the Top Gun two. Get these out of your system. Make them great. Go out as the action star that you are, but then let's come back around and do some 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 of your highest quality work. Yeah. Let's see that in 2023, maybe. Yeah. Um, but as it stands, Fallout, I think, is like the thrill the thrill ride of the year for me as an action film. It's one of the best action movies I've seen in a long time. Maybe you know, Mad Max: Fury Road keeps coming up, and I mean, that's in it's that's great company to be in. Yes. Um, but you know, bringing fresh blood in, Henry Cavill, I think, works great in the movie. Like mm-hmm. he's awesome. The bathroom fight sequence is amazing. Reloading his biceps. I mean, it's a meme now, but I mean, it's such an awesome fucking scene. What I love... It is so, so good. Is that watching Justice League, everybody wondered how it could possibly be worth it to have kept that mustache... Yeah. That to make it so difficult, like isn't fake mustache technology simpler yeah, than right. mustache erasal, erasal? erasure <laughs> yeah. technology? But when you see the mustache yes. in Mission Impossible, you're like, there's no way this could have been a fake mustache. Yeah. It would yeah. have looked yeah. so bad. Yeah, no, you need that mustache. And it's glorious. Yeah, it's amazing. 
and yeah. he's a beautiful man. He but, is gorgeous. But um, no, I think, and what you were saying earlier, Ronald, about uh, the guy. I mean, Henry Cavill looks like he could break Tom Cruise over his knee. At least in this film, he nailed film. it. Ronald nailed it. Like and, he's and, not smarter than than Henry Cavill's character. But I mean, again, I mean, he's smarter. He's not he stronger. Is, is what I'm saying. But it's like the Indiana Jones thing, where it's like they always had him going up against a bigger True. guy too. True. You know, and it, he definitely is like, I'm about to get the shit kicked out of me if I don't figure something out. But I think yeah. that it's great that Tom Cruise again that he's that he's playing that. I don't know everything about this. You're right. It's amazing that it's on the sixth movie and and arguably the best in the series yeah. and potentially with room to get better if you've got the same team saying okay let's yeah. go make something crazier I, I don't know I don't know what I want from the next one but I'm I'm, I'm kind of with you I'm excited to see them ride this wave yeah. but it won't seem special if they just keep doing it so I really wonder do they have something big in mind I with think these, these are, two movies back to back it's going to be two. kind of a story yeah. yeah these are the last two I, I'm very confident but I mean so many I mean any any of these action set pieces any one of them in any other film you'd say that was a great action movie right. probably if as long as it was a an, a good film you'd be like that was a great action movie yeah. that helicopter well, you, you've chase you've got like at the five end. of them in this movie you got the, the the motorcycle you know the the armored car heist that leads into that yeah. you know you got the bathroom fight sequence You've got the even the nightclub fight. You know when they when they're in the after the bathroom. You mm-hmm. know or yeah after the bathroom um, when he meets uh, what's the actress's name um, from Downton Abbey. Oh yeah, whatever that sequence I think is even cool because you're kind of you're you're learning a lot in that sequence about her and him. But um, I don't know, man. I just th- this movie works so well, and this is one of the top experiences in my in theaters this year for me. Yeah. Um, like these films that I have in my top, you know, five, you know, whether it was Stars Born, Avengers, this film, my, what my number one is, it's just, there's something to, you know, these are the, these are the arguments for like, I got to be in a theater and watch this movie because like seeing that movie in the Dolby screen at the AMC here in Columbia rocked my world. And then I saw it again at the Owings Mills on their, their nice screen. I mean, it is, it is amazing to watch at on the biggest screen with awesome surround sound you're feeling the punches. You're feeling the speed on these bikes. Um, yeah, man. I don't know. I just feel like their their duo is like one of the best duos working in, in movies maybe. You yeah. know, like when you look at some of the other stuff they've done together, even, you know, I don't know, Edge of Tomorrow and like things like that. I just feel like um, they're on to something. Mm-hmm. And Tom Cruise is a movie star who's making kick-ass action movies that are like bigger than they've ever the franchise is bigger than it's ever been yeah, yeah. At, in 22 years and that's that's amazing to me and um, again I think it's one of the best action movies I've seen in a long time I Full think stop. The, the secret ingredient is Wolf Blitzer <laughs> <laughs> yeah Wild Card Blitzer yeah, yeah man. that's what you gotta add to your movie is, is the uh, Wolf Blitzer the, the one sequence also that stands out is like him visualizing the sequence when they do the armored heist where he would have to maybe kill somebody yeah, yeah. That I thought that sequence was awesome and you believe the movie's yeah. gone that dark yes just like at the beginning yes well I'm not gonna say anything yeah. else yeah but there's moments in this film where it goes one way and not the other and you are prepared to believe that this movie has gone as dark as it's ever gone that this series has ever gone yeah. Um, and yeah that that's again it'll be interesting to see what they do with the next one I, maybe you're right maybe they're going to close it out and that would explain why it's going to kind of a one-two punch so. that'd be cool if they did I hope they do yeah. I mean like they're going to hopefully they continue to be successful and obviously they, this was big enough that they can do two at a time yeah. and just go full tilt with it and I think that's like something to be said for a Mission Impossible yeah. full tilt. Like, well, like you keep saying what else they're going to do but 
Um, well, we both said jokingly, <laughs> the moon and a volcano. a volcano. And I've seen other people making that same joke. Apparently, I mean, those are the two things that everyone's like, goes well, to. wait, like, where, what do you want to see Ethan Hutt do? What can we stick Tom Cruise right. into in the next one? Um, one last thing I'll say, like, I don't really believe there's anybody trying to make entertaining movies as much as Tom Cruise is. Yeah. Whether, you, whether you like Tom Cruise... Like, whatever you feel about him as a, a person in the world, outside of being an actor, whatever, like, I, I value everybody's opinion on it. But, like, this dude is trying to entertain the Nobody's shit out of Nobody's trying as hard Nobody as Nobody is Cruise. trying to tell you how entertaining movies can be no. than Tom Cruise. He even, he even put out that super dry thing about turning off motion smoothing I'm on your television. I really, I really wanted it to be, like, self-aware or funny yeah. in some way, but it was so dry. Yeah. That just makes it. Yeah, he's so, he's so sincere, I guess. Yeah. And potentially creepy, but who knows? Scientology is a mystery to us all. We'll yeah, never really know. Um, no what, mystery. Yeah. My number two spot. Yeah. Mission Impossible Fallout. <laughs> right. Well, my number one uh, by process of elimination, you guys know, it's uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I mean, the movie that just does it all right. It's like, it was fun. It was beautiful. It was, it was, uh, it was humorous. It was, it had heart. I mean, real heart. Like, watching it, I've seen it three times in the theater, which I don't do. I saw it once with you guys. I went back with my son, and then we cajoled my wife into going. So I've been back to see it again and again, and each time there's moments that give me the feels, that give me the goosebumps. It, it juggles the emotional territory so well. Jake Johnson's performance as a version of Peter Parker that we haven't seen before is really nuanced and really good. But he's got some great moments, and the moment in the movie where he realizes that Miles Morales is going to be the hero and he's going to be saved. Yeah. And he lets that happen. Is honestly one of the most moving moments in the film because the idea of how is this Miles Morales' movie when you've got all these other Spider-Men around. Um, I, and the first time I saw it, I had that question of like, could that have been more of a Miles Morales movie? Is that the only drawback to it being a Spider-Verse movie? you got these, these other versions. You've got Spider-Ham. You've got Spider-Man Noir. You've got Spider-Gwen. I was like, is this, a, like, would I have liked to have just seen a Miles Morales movie mm. that got a chance to be his movie before they went ahead and told this story that, that the message of it is, as you said, Steve, that anyone can be Spider-Man. But seeing it a second time and then a third, they do a beautiful job of both those things. The point of this movie is that anyone can be Spider-Man. But in this movie, in this world, un, like they come down firmly on the idea that Miles Morales is Spider-Man. They use comic books on screen as a motif to show people's origin. Yeah. There's a really triumphant moment in the film where you see like Miles Morales when he finally assumes the mantle and you see like his comic book cover. Yeah. I mean, I get goosebumps just talking about it. It's incredible. So the idea that yeah, there's a moment where, you know, it's Peter Parker says to Miles Morales like I'm not going to let Spider-Man die and Miles Morales is like, "Well, I'm not going to do that either." And they're right. both looking at each other and it's like, "Who's going to be the hero in this moment?" The fact that uh, this movie is concerned with that idea and concerned with kind of introducing this new, young, different sort of character into this role of Spider-Man, super iconic, all of that works. Yeah. That makes it a great comic book movie, great superhero movie. The fact that this movie visually pushes animation forward and is such a technical achievement is what makes this my favorite movie of the year. Yeah. It hits both things. Mm. It's as good of a mainstream movie as I could imagine, and it's as though they let a bunch of, like animation students 
loose with a, with a studio. It's yeah. so creative and inventive and edgy, and it pushes the borders. And I, this whole thing about them maybe developing the technology to use with other movies, I hope that means other movies will have a similarly layered approach to how they achieve their animation and not that other movies are just going to look like this one. Because right. that's my only thing with them franchising this <clears throat> is as much as I want to see more movies that have this dynamic style, this movie is so special and so unique. I, I wonder if that will become old hat if they keep doing it. Now, I'm sure they have, they're not just going to repeat the exact style of this movie, but that's the only thing I worry about with them adding on to it is that it's, it's, it's kind of a perfect movie and it kind mm. of exists in the space of being super mainstream Super like swing for the fences with yeah. with four quadrant entertainment, but also like kind of an art film. No, I love this film, and I you know I can already tell it's going to be one of those that's going to grow with me as I as I watch it again and again. But I've already done that. I've already seen it three times yeah. and, and verified it was it was really something special. So there you go. That's my year. I'm cool. just going to leave now. You guys want to finish <laughs> the episode? Cool. Um, Turn the lights off when you leave. So my pick, man, uh, it runs deep, obviously, because uh, representation matters. And uh, so I remember when I was a kid, my mom used to read Octavia Butler and, and sci-fi. She used to tell me about sci-fi that involved black people. And I was like, what? What are you what, talking about, what mom? The, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> and um, using, using a continent... Uh, a fictitious place on a continent where you know you have roots um, and and understanding the idea that as a black American you can only really trace your roots back to the continental US Yeah. Mm-hmm. and having this place depicted in this beautiful way and hearing stories about how beautiful Africa is and um, aspiring to go there because I'm going to go there mm-hmm. got to get some shots oh you're planning already oh man that's I got, great. I got plans. Um, actually, did, I actually did some ancestry work. I found out my tribe. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of work, and it all was inspired by this movie. Sweet. Black Panther changed the course of my life, and and I know that sounds crazy, but what it has to do with is the idea that like up until this point, uh, every comic book that that I read was essentially about a person who I can relate to. And small fractions of pieces of things that didn't look like me, that didn't necessarily have the same issues as me, but I can relate. I didn't. I didn't. I never dismissed it because of that. And having a, a, a superhero come along where people kind of had to do the same thing is a strange, strange, mm-hmm. strange thing. And have it being treated fairly, have it being tra- treated with care and money, resources that made this thing look beautiful, and ushering in a generation of kids that it's okay i see what i saw white kids dressed up as black panther mm-hmm. the cultural phenomenon of, of wakanda and hearing it as a, a thing a place people trying to book flights there it's <laughs> proof that this movie had a cultural impact on a level that i wasn't expecting on a, to be completely honest with you because i knew it was special we all knew it was special in yeah. some way oh but yeah the, the a politician superhero slash leader and just all these things that just I, I i don't think there could have been a better introduction to a superhero the civil war introduction into this mm-hmm. that's i mean that honestly civil war is like one of my favorite movies ever i mean like it is i don't think you could give me a better superhero movie than that and then this comes along and i'm like holy shit um 
Black Panther is a really important movie, man. And whether you like it or not, um, this this will usher in. It's like the Matrix effect. It's like leather clad things. Or we're gonna have to see a bunch of movies. For where, sure, totally agree. <laughs> it's like you're so right. These movies are like the influence is like yeah, deep already. This Afro sci-fi yeah. thing that's happening. And I think I think that I mean <clears throat> I I can't tell if it's gonna be like just a temporary thing, but for whatever it's worth, the fact that my dad was. A, but the fact that my dad was alive to see this movie yeah. and uh, also see Obama and also it's like all this stuff yeah. that didn't happen before that's happening now. Mm-hmm. Super important. And I think that it's it's cool to like, if you didn't like, you didn't like it. Um, that's fine. But please understand that something's happening. Representation is mm-hmm. happening. And we need more women. We need more uh minorities it's it's so important to have figures that are look like you on the screen but i'm telling you to not have it means that you start seeking things out that don't necessarily i don't know Mm -hmm. represent you quite as well as it should well it's amazing that that was this year yeah, like when man. you look back to February, it's Fucking unreal that that unreal. movie came out this year because I feel like it's a classic film that we've been talking about yeah. for five years or something. I thought it like came that. out 2017. Yeah, I was gonna name something. Then I'm like, oh, I, oh, that's well, it. That's I'm really it. glad it's on your list because I hate to say when when Infinity War, it was kind of jockeying. Yeah, I get it. I, I didn't want to have I both of those on one list, and I kind of tilted towards Infinity War just because of the <clears> sort of the the achievement, the unlikeliness of what they were able to do. But I do think Black Panther. It exists. It's it's a perfectly constructed film for what it was trying to do. Yeah, it's yeah. like a really good, a Absolutely. really unique, a really different origin story. And so I think what it has that Infinity War doesn't is it does its unquestionable ability to kind of stand alone as one movie. It doesn't try yeah. too hard to connect to other things. Yeah, and, and it's made with real the... style. Like Ryan Coogler definitely made a Ryan Coogler movie yeah, yeah. in the Marvel mold, which which is yeah, like that's not that's that's not nothing. You know, the fact that he's in Infinity War. That's Black Panther movie to me. <laughs> There's something about you know all these characters are in these movies. Like it just is so cool that he's in Infinity War, Civil War, yeah. his own movie. It's 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 proof that he had an impact in a way that I just yeah. I could not have ever guessed. You essentially saw him in three movies in the shortest amount of time that I've ever seen. And each and the, that appearance in Civil War was geared towards making you excited as hell to see him. Yeah. In, in uh, in his own movie, and then after his own movie, when he pops up in Infinity War, it's got this sort of like we love this world, we want to yeah. get more of this. No, it's amazing what they were able to do. That's I agree. Right. So yeah, I guess in a way that I did like that movie in the way that yeah. he's he's there, and it's yeah. so anyway. Yeah, that's my pick. Cool. I don't I don't think there's a movie this year that had more of an impact than Black Panther. Yeah, I, I mean across like we talk about the like the the quadrants of the movie going audience, like everybody embraced Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and and what's important about Black Panther also from a industry standard is that the fact that it made $1.3 billion worldwide shows that there's an audience worldwide yeah. for films led by people of color, you know, like yeah, yeah. whatever Absolutely. that might be, or films like, you know, Crazy Rich Asians comes out this year and is huge worldwide. So good. Like, there's these movies that are coming out that aren't just succeeding domestically. They, they can't use that box that box office excuse anymore. That's right. my point. You yeah, know, yeah. this is a superhero film internationally led by pretty much an all-black cast made by a black filmmaker, written by a black filmmaker, soundtrack basically curated by a black hip-hop, a hip-hop artist. 
Oh, you know, hip harp. That's like a good subgenre. Yeah, like put a little harp in there. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, like across the board, you look at this and it's a it's a success no matter what metric you measure it against worldwide. Yeah. So that means something to what you're saying earlier about it's going to have an impact. It's going to have a place of saying this is probably the movie that starts a massive change. Yeah. Right, right. And Absolutely. that's that's exciting and that's it's important. Super exciting, I really like the film as well. I had issues with like the third act of the movie. Some some janky. of the stuff in the third act kind of gets a little the, It was honestly it was the CGI that's it. aspect yeah. of the third act that kept me like it yes. th- th- I think that's what gave Infinity War the edge was that if Black Panther's it like if it had just been a like a good fist fight between Killmonger <laughs> and yeah. Black Panther. Just kicking each other. So much had worked with with Killmonger yeah. and with uh, Chala that like I didn't need that level yeah. of the CG blowout action right. sequence. I yeah. would have I would have been fine with seeing it had it been done a little mm-hmm. better. Yeah. But I would have preferred. Yeah, like it's kind of like bad to say that, but I mean, I but because it. for so much of the other, so much of the rest of the film. It's just like wow. This it had is that like, texture and it had that. This humanity is so and, great. Yeah, you know, like there's something special happening here. But um, but yeah, I mean, this is like the movie of the year. Yeah. If you just say what's the movie of the year, it's Black Panther. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing absolutely. touches it. Yeah. Um. So that's that's awesome. Um. Kind of like Get Out was, you know, like yeah. when you got to yeah, the end of that year, yeah. you'd be like, what movie generated the most ink, mm. the most think pieces, the most like surprise, <laughs> whatever. Um. Uh. So yeah. Yeah. No, Black Panther, huge. Um, my, excuse me, my number one movie of the year, you both mentioned it already briefly, is A Quiet Place. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that... I should have put a bet on it. Yeah. The, uh, did you think that was what I was going to pick? Yeah. Okay. Like, especially once we got to about midway through, as, like, you know, hasn't been mentioned each, yet. each turn yeah. you didn't mention it, I was yeah. like, I know Steve didn't forget about it. No, Place. definitely didn't forget about it, um... Again, circle back to this point of like the genre and the theatrical experience and seeing this movie in a the theater. You know, great marketing, great, you know, delivery of, of material um, from uh, not a first time filmmaker, but because John Krasinski has made some other movies. Mm-hmm. But um, this is like his real shot at, at, at you know, a mainstream movie. Um, but I just think the movie accomplishes everything successfully because of the, the emotions that it carries. I think what it does so well. It succeeds at because of the family in the film, you know. Yeah, sure, they're husband and wife in real life, Emily Blunt and John Krasinski, and they're adorable and they're great people. It seems, but it works well in the film too. The kids are great. All the performances are great. Um, it's got the angle, you know, like mm-hmm. of the, the 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 no sound, like they hunt us by sound, like these things that hunt us that are coming into this world. And I think it does a great job of just giving you enough to understand what is happening, sort of, but not worrying too much about giving you rules or giving you, um, like, the backstory of what happened. Because maybe, I don't know what they do with the sequel. I'm not too super excited for that. But yeah, um, you see enough to see that there are other people going through this thing in other parts of this geography that you're given. Mm. You know, the, the run-in with the man in the woods and, like, the lights that they see go on. You know, just things like that. You, you, you get a sense of, of, the, of the world that they're living in. And, you know, you get little things here and there, like, on their little wallboard about news articles. And, mm-hmm. like, the, the, the one thing you need to know, though, is, is that there, there can be no sound. Yeah. And they must continue to live as a family with that one rule. And watching that family navigate that with, with the challenges that they're faced with, you know, with, with what happens in, in the film and... You know, uh, a gut punch of a first 15 minutes of the film completely rocked me in the theater. Like, mm-hmm. I think they did an amazing job, when I say, of the marketing mm. to not give something away, which was very well handled. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, it's the family that makes that movie work. Yeah. Um, you know, navigating a child who is deaf is like really interesting point in terms of plot mm. for, for, for what this family has to already kind of do in life mm-hmm. and kind of gives you an idea of like, that's an asset in, in ways for them to get where they're at now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, dealing with a, a wife who's pregnant, you know, and how that works in that world too. Yeah. In that world. But again, breaking it down to scenes, you know, this, the, 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 the scene when, when Krasinski and the son are out, um, doing their little errand and, you know, things happen on the farm and, and Emily Blunt has to give birth to this child. I mean, man, I was like on the edge of my seat for most of this movie. Mm-hmm. I was not eating food. I was not drinking my drink. <laughs> I had like nachos that went cold in the theater because yeah. I was scared to, to chew on them. Well, because um, everyone would hear you chewing. I know, too. and I'd be that asshole yeah. that like was like, yeah. you know, like you got to be quiet. I mean, for a movie with no sound, there's amazing sound design in the film mm-hmm. that really, really enhances everything that you're waiting to hear or, or think you hear. Yeah. And, um, but that sequence when he's running back and like, you know, and she's like, lets out that scream and the gun goes off and the mm-hmm. fireworks go off. Like everything is just so well orchestrated to build this amazing crescendo from that point forward. We have no sound and mm-hmm. you have just all the sound. Right. And just seeing what's happening all at the same time on screen, I think it's just like amazing. Well, I mean, it's like movie magic. It's, it, it's, it's genuinely doing something magic. that cinema does, you it know, totally it, it does. really is that that moment you're talking about is yes. I was like. That, that sometimes a movie has a moment where you can go back and go, oh yeah, the movie com- completely had me at that point. Like yeah. I was so the power of that, him yeah. running back, her doing what she's doing, the kids kind of playing their roles or being in danger on their own respective storylines. Yeah, w- what a film. Yeah, and, I, and that ultimate message, you know, in some ways we we were comparing Black Panther to what Get Out was able to do last year for obvious reasons. Yeah. But I thought at the beginning of the year, I remember feeling that A Quiet Place sort of existed in that Get Out spot because it right. was a genre piece and it came out early in the year. Yeah, yeah. And it had like a, even though it didn't have maybe a message that resonated with people like the social thriller aspect of um, of Get Out, that whole idea of the family and just that yeah. line, who are we if we can't protect them? I mean... If you're a parent or aunt and uncle or yeah, an older right, sister right. or brother who's taking care of somebody, you've had that thought of like, okay, well, if there's one thing I should be able to do is create a bubble for this this innocent. And in this world, in this movie, that's not an option, you know? And yeah. seeing them wrestle with that is deep. I know. And the fact that they're really married, I do think, I mean, sometimes that's a little bit of a trick, but I think in this case, it, it, it works in a way that doesn't cheapen it at all to say that, that they were performing those scenes together and you know that there had to be some... Some connection or some something that makes that even if it's just for the audience, it yeah. lends some power to it to feel like there there are people that actually are solving that problem, you know, with with uh, as a family themselves. So, yeah, I mean, I just think everything works so well with the movie, um, and you know, even watching it at home, I feel like it still delivers like that that thrill, you know, even mm-hmm. with whatever TV you're watching it on. I think that that shtick or whatever you want to call it, like the sound, the yeah. sound design of silence is like. Saying that out loud, it's like what? Right. But then when you watch this film, you really, Whoa, Steve, yeah, man. <laughs> you really, you really feel, you know, you know, you really mm-hmm. feel the moments when you de- when you do hear the sounds, when you hear the waterfall for the first time, yeah, and you feel like how important that is to the story and what that introduction in terms of that sound element means for the the child who's learning this mm-hmm. and us as an audience is learning, you know, this, mm-hmm. you know, not that that's not obvious in your mind, but like you're watching them realize it in their world and, mm-hmm. and the child learned that in his world. Yeah. So, um, and to circle back to, you know, scenes, 
the we talked about this remember when we saw it together but that last the last sequence the last shot of her with yeah, the shotgun yeah, right. i mean like game on right mm-hmm. i mean emily blunt badass like let's get it mm-hmm. but i don't know man well, I, lo- I mean that's, I love it. that is one of the reasons why the idea of a sequel seems superfluous to me is because it's got one of the greatest endings of the year, if oh, not for the sure. ending of the year. For I, me. I would, I would agree with you. And that's something I love, especially in a genre movie, is knowing when you can go to black and the audience has the information they need to picture what the next few minutes is likely to be, you happen, know, yeah. without necessarily having to show it and show the aftermath and everything. So, all right, what a year! Yeah. So what? What do we all have? We all had Quiet Place. Yes. Spider Verse. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mission. Yep. Yes. And uh, is that it? I think that was it. Those three. Wow. Ready Player One. You oh, you guys that. had Ready Player One. Oh, you didn't have Ready Player One? And then you and I had Infinity War, but he did not. And you and I had American... No, you didn't say American Animals. That's right. Yeah, that would have been... That would have been... American Animals would have been like on right, the list right on for the me. List. It would have been right on the list. So would uh, Overlord hung in there my, my number 11 12 for a really long time yep. Paddington 2 hung in there for a really long time <laughs> yeah, um, I, still I had uh, Widows just outside I of my list I was gonna put Widows too what was the other one that was right there Overlord Widows and oh did you see Minding the Gap Mm-mm. No. documentary on Hulu oh man it just missed my list oh really this, it's like a skateboarding no. doc on Hulu about like young men and like fatherhood and influence no. of your parents I don't want to give too much away, but watch that when you that have a chance. Really cool. Minding the Gap was great. Oh, it got nominated for an Oscar this morning. Wow. Yeah, it's really great. So yeah, Minding the Gap, Widows, Overlord, I loved. Beale Street was just outside of my top mm-hmm. ten. Um, yeah, Black Klansman I thought might upgrade, be there, I liked. but that was another one that just once the list started growing, yeah. it fell out. Well, well, I mentioned before what my uh, list busters would be. These are the ones that might have made my list that I didn't see. Uh, eighth Grade. Leave No Trace and First Reformed are all movies that I, just from what I heard about them, and I was really hoping to see them before this, but I'll try to see them soon. So, um, and did anybody see Roma? No. no. How crazy is that? It's right in We haven't apps. watched it, and it's literally available mm. at any second. Is I it, tried to watch it twice, and I, I just couldn't. I is couldn't. it bad that I'm not that interested? I mean, um, I hate I'm, to say I, it. I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble. I'm glad this is a safe space. Yeah. yeah. I've tried to watch it twice now. I'm having trouble watching it. I just don't I don't I don't I don't have a hook for this film. Like I can't Yeah, and I, I doubt admire that it's beautiful Corone, like, and, yeah. right. And it does like the idea of it being a story that seems to be an unconventional story or a story that you don't normally hear. I'm I'm for all of that, but as yeah. far as viewing choices, that's one that has gotten kicked down the road in favor of something else. Yeah. Mm. Including some things I had already seen. Right. Right. So. Did any of you see We the Animals? Mm-mm. No. It's like a coming of age movie about two two kids. You saw it? Yeah. I just really outside like, of your list or just really outside good? of my list. It's probably gonna be like ten. Wow. Yeah. Well, okay. Two thousand eighteen. Yeah. See ya. See ya. So I guess what's next is maybe in a couple of weeks we'll try to have a preview episode out. It won't yeah. quite be like a spring preview, but maybe we can talk about movies that are coming out in February. March and April. Mm. Um, that seems to be... What is that season? That's kind of like half winter, half spring. Sprint, Pre-summer. Sprinter. Yeah. Sprinter. It's a sprinter, sprinter. preview. It's it's interesting because it's getting... It's technically warmer. It gets warmer and warmer as the years go by. But, man, this... 
into this winter is the coldest oh. I've been in a really long time. It's yeah. like the last couple days. <laughs> it is yeah. suddenly so cold. Single digits. <laughs> well, I saw someone the other Insane. night. Uh, they posted, like, I don't know why people saying it's so cold. The temperature just doubled in the last hour. And they were showing how it was like like <laughs> three, three degrees. degrees <laughs> yeah. And then it went to six degrees. I saw yeah. that. I saw that. Or some variation of that. It's like, feels like negative 17. Like, what? Yeah. But just to get ahead of this, folks, Steve goes on vacation from February 1st to the 10th. Or ninth, yeah, and then Ronald's going to be gone from the ninth, ninth through the sixteenth. <laughs> we yes. totally planned that. So if we, hopefully, we'll have a new episode out on the eighth. That will be something we've managed to grab in the next few days. If yeah. not, and somehow the winds of time blow us apart, uh, we'll be back in mid to late February somehow. But hopefully, we'll be back by a time Endgame comes out. Yeah, we'll be back before the end of February, hopefully, <laughs> but probably in a couple weeks. But this was our big. But worst case, yeah, Endgame. Yes, right. worst case, just if. <laughs> If you don't hear from us between now and then, you know That's so crazy. we're going to be talking about that. Because so we have to at least yeah. settle our uh, our ice cream wager at the end of this movie. Oh, shit. If more than one major character is dead, which I feel like is <coughs> right, right. likely. Uh, you then, both take me to lunch? No, Ronald to takes ice cream. us. Ronald yeah. takes us to yeah. ice cream, right? <laughs> yes. Ice cream. Where and are we, we going? Go, uh, we can go to... Uh, Charmery? The Charmery. Oh, Charmery. The Charmery's Charmery. right up the road. Yeah. yeah. Charmery. There's a new one, right? The new Charmery. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. This is brilliant. Yeah. It is. I can't wait. Now you have so something good. to live for. End of April ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Here I come. Because either way I win, right? Because yeah. I get ice cream right yeah. away. And they make, <laughs> you yeah. they make Charmery extra, extra warm too around this time. It's kind of amazing. Wow. This is like the best time to get ice cream. It's <laughs> so, too bad it's in April though. So toasty. <laughs> oh, it's still going to be... Well, what's this? <laughs> it's going to be Kinda something. Gross. It's going to be weather. <laughs> it's still going to be... The weather is weather. <laughs> Well, that's it, man. Yeah, we just finished looking back. Our last three episodes. We that said was we were doing. That's it. We wrapped yeah. it up. We're now we're on. in the present. Moving on. Looking forward. Now we're looking back forward. to the future. It's like, this is the most <laughs> nonsensical title until today. We went back and we're back. Okay, got it. Got it. We're back to the We went in the past and now we're back to the future, which is really the present. <laughs> yes. The future's, the past future is the present. Yep. Now. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Well, movieshmovie.com is where you can find all of our past episodes as well as uh, any podcast platform that you probably are, are listening to this on already. Yeah. Um, but, you know, whatever you listen to this podcast on, whether even it's streaming on a website, hit the little share button, hit the little link, copy it, paste it somewhere. Tell people. Send it to a friend, uh, somebody you think that send might. Send it to an enemy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just be like, ha. <laughs> Just say, ha, and then send the link. <laughs> Just send it to an enemy. Make them into a friend. Oh, right. That's our promise. There you go. That's our goal for 2019. Use Movie Schmovie to convert enemies to friends. Okay. I'm down. That can help a lot of people. If we could do one, I'd say that's a success. Yeah. So (laughs) challenge accepted. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but if you can't find us on your preferred platform, if you're listening to us somewhere because you can't find us somewhere else, like to subscribe to, like if you're streaming this maybe on Facebook or YouTube, um, tell us where that where that platform is so we can figure out how to get on there because we, we want to be there for oh, sure. Yeah. Because yeah. if you're there, we should be there right. with you. Um, Nothing creepy about that. No, not at all. <laughs> Completely friendly. We're all just friends here. We're just watching you. We're just watching you and listening to you and, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's fine. We like what you're doing. It's fine. We like you. <laughs> um, but yeah, as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.